Ron and Fez show starts right now.
get down to it, boppers. Oh, buddies. It's the Ron and Fez show. Monday. Today's artist of the day. Robert Bradley's Blackwater Surprise. Shut out of the Grammys last night. Uh, big in the Midwest. I don't know the whole backstory there. If anybody knows anything or have seen this guy, uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I know he's a Detroit guy, kind of a street musician, turn recording artist, very, very soulful. Uh, doesn't seem like he plays big on either coast, though. So, uh, we will get this thing started right off the bat. Uh, this has never happened, not only in my lifetime, but as far as I know, within five or six hundred years, the Pope woke up this morning yeah. and left this tweet. I'm getting too old for this shit. And that was it. Riggs? Step down. Now, Chris, I know you're a Catholic, but a bad one. I'm not very, no. Here's the job of the Pope. You work until you die. We have a gigantic funeral, and then we pick a new Pope. Yeah. You don't step down. So the conspiracy theories flashing all over the place. Obviously, Pope, Catholic, KT. Grabbing. You know, there's been, as the Pope has pointed out to us, the gays that have infiltrated that uh, organization. It's, uh, well, the the thing is, the Pope, I guess, back when he was uh, a bishop or cardinal, may have been involved in a cover-up. Just not defrocking guys. Uh, Just one, one of those things where they were moving guys. Okay. But those are pedophiles. Those aren't gay people. Those are pedophiles. All right, you follow the story, right? Yes. You ever hear about them touching little girls? No, but that's because little girls aren't altar boys. Yeah, they are. They're, they're allowed at the altar. It's been going on for quite some time. Uh, and that's not the only place they can get to these kids. One of these guys, all he touched was deaf kids. Because oh, they couldn't tell anybody. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Jason has a theory on this already, on the Pope. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron Fez. I heard the re real reason he's stepping down is his uh, altar boy boyfriend wasn't real. It was a catfish situation that it never is. Uh, he never really existed. All right. Now, that seems to tie in with what happened at Notre Dame. Someone just wrote this up to me in terms of the Pope. Is it better to burn out or fade away? The fact of the matter is he's kind of fading away and burning out at the same time. <laughs> it's exploding in the worst way possible. You gotta be able to take this thing from to the grave. That's your job. It's almost as if you had a halfback and he decides around the fifteen, I ain't running all the way down there. I'm just gonna drop the ball. No, here. I'm just dropping it. Get to the fucking end zone, baby. I'm surprised he lasted it's this all long. Right. Oh, baby. Surprised he lasted this long based on what? Just that he was he was old going into the job. And Every he's one been of them has years. been. Every one of them has been for five hundred years. You get in with your old, you keep it till you die. That's the job. It isn't. Oh, I feel healthy enough to be pope. Because let's face it, even if the guy's bedridden, you're fine. This is the church running itself. This guy looks like shit. Come on, with the previous pope fucking running shit for so long. Did you remember what he looked like? He looked like a fucking twisted twig. 
It was he couldn't bad. stand up for the last two decades. You guys have zero understanding of this. It was the 14th, 1400s when somebody said, I can't finish my fucking term. This is bad. This is insanely historical. And, um, you know, it goes back to what Fez said about gays getting into the church. I didn't say that. Well, you did when you said about, you know, altar boys. You brought up altar boys. And the only thing that... Well, whatever. The Cock point bait. is this. This is gigantic. Now, here's the other problem that you have for whoever wants to be Pope. I think he ran into it. Um, the people out there are not understanding how different the world is. The S South America and Africa... They want the old school disciplined pope. Uh, Europe and America want to smoke bath salts and then be told that they're going to heaven. You know what I mean? Basically, a schism. American Catholics are like fucking Protestants these days. They're like, let us have gay marriage. Let us wear shorts to church. Uh, you know, I want to bring in a Cinnabon with me and then tell me I'm a good Catholic. So how do you run this worldwide organization when you still have the old school people who want the discipline, the new school people who want to go straight to heaven without working for it? Two popes, co-pope, have one guy fucking... I just don't think you understand the role of the pope. It's Christ on earth. Oh, I know, yeah, he's the, he's the fucking head dude. So you're saying, hey, you know what would help? Two Christ. Oh, no, I'm not saying to Christ. That's what I'm trying to tell you since you never really paid attention. In catechism, when oh, you were no. a kid, when the Pope said something, it was like uh, God said it himself. Now, it would be interesting to get an African Pope to have our first black Pope and have him and Obama take a picture together. Forget about it. That's That would be gigantic. Um... I know you, you don't care about your church. Oh, I care. But it's... I know you love to gamble. Yeah. Uh, the Irish bookmaker, Patty Power, already has odds out there. <laughs> All right, um, me. Number one, the Canadian. A Canadian would be going in. Mm. Uh, Cardinal Mark Ouellette, the Canadian head of the Vatican's office for bishops. Uh, number two is a Nigerian. Okay. Uh, a, a guy from Ghana, and then finally getting back one from Milan. Wow, two white, two black. This is fucking. This is some serious shit. This is some serious shit. Thank you, uh, Danny. You're on the Run of Fed show. Danny. Hello. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie P. Becker, how you guys doing? Fezzy, did you guys watch Californication last night, Rondo? Uh, I think I, I think they're already playing them in advance. Which one was it? It was the one where Runkle almost had to suck a cock. Yeah, yeah, I did see that one. Runkle's the greatest thing on Fezzi, TV. I think that's what Fezzy might do if he's got it right there in front of him. That big meat sitting there. I think he might. I mean, he might get a little bit turned away too. What do you think? Fez still hasn't made the jump. It's there for him. He won't join Grinder. The idea of gay sex, not top of mind for you, Fez. No, grinders definitely not. Anonymous sex with just uh, an app hookup. Or old school dating. You don't do that either. The fact of the matter is, here you've made it. 
almost the same age as the Pope. I mean, I'm every day I look at your fucking building to see if I'm going to see some fucking <laughs> white smoke come out of it. Oh, we've got a new fez. Perhaps a return to the funny. But this happened to Runkle. He was faking the gay thing and then would not go for it. Mm. You got your grinder app in yet? No, no. I, if I knew there was this kind of money with the grinder type stuff, I would have, you know, started some kind of a fez thing. Some version of Yelp where you sit around and you give stars to the anonymous sex that you had. You know, the towel boy at the Y. <laughs> this bathroom, great to hook up in. It could be really fucking working out for us. And we can tie it in over at the iBang. Um, since we're already doing I Bang Viral and I Bang Girls. Fuck yeah. Which I'm not sure if I'm that crazy about that thing. Almost sounds a little bit, but let's get back into it. Fez, I want you to work on that. An app where cheap sex gets rated. Okay. Or rated. Yeah. Like it was pre-Stonewall riots. Hey, what are you gays doing in here? Get out. It's all right. I said, baby. No chance to bring a black into this pope. They're going to go Italian old school. The German guy, I think the German dude fucked it all up for them. I think they, that was a mistake. Obviously, because he's stepping down. I think they're going to fucking go back to tradition. Where's the future of the church, though? Italy, which they've had a lot of problems in the past. Uh, the Italian newspapers are really cruel, and they get mad because the pope will mention more. You know, when you have an Italian pope, he gets involved in Italy's business too much. Or uh, over in Africa, where they believe everything is fucking thrown their way. You know what I mean? Like, you could actually say to those Africans, oh, this just got in. You got to kill a water buffalo. <laughs> those fuckers will go out and do it. They're very superstitious, and you need superstitious people. I would have grabbed somebody out of that South America. There's rising economies down there, and again, superstitious. They, uh, come, they, I'm stepping all over you today, brother. My fault. I'm doing it to you. They, they, they're going to go European. If this pope had died, then I could see clean slate, let's try something brand new. This guy's going to have so much influence being spare pope that he's, they're going to go European again. We'll see. It'll all be out very, very soon. Uh, coming up today, some giant guests on our show. Number one, rock and roll royalty, uh, the great Brian Ferry of Roxy Music. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, one of the funniest people on the planet, uh, Jane Lynch. Jane this is Lynch. awesome. It's exciting. Who you know from the Christopher Guest films, Party Down. And uh, the principal on Glee. Everybody loves her. Uh, Scott, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, boys. Good morning. My name is Scott. I used to manage Robert back in the late 90s and to the mid-2000s. What a great act he is. Oh, he's unbelievable. He's a top-and-out church singer, plus you should hear his voice just sitting in a room with him. It's amazing. He's been singing here. But he's, uh, I don't think he's doing anything right now. He's uh, pretty much retired, or...? I think that he just, he had a kid, he had a couple of kids, he settled down a little bit. I've been looking for him, but I can't seem to find him. He's a mystery. 
Uh, that is the artist of the day. The uh, playlist is up there. Scott, um, good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you guys. Have a good show and be well. All right, peace. Peace. I wish I had the kind of light where I say I used to manage uh, Robert Bradley's Blackwater Surprise. I wish that was the kind of shit that I was saying. Instead of, oh no, me and Hicks are sitting here and I stepped on Fez when he tried to talk eight times today. Every single time that poor guy tried to talk, I stepped on him. He was very flustered this morning. Well, he gets into a thing where he's like, when he hears someone talk, he thinks to himself, I'm going to say something because there's like a little piece. And then he does it. And then when someone else talks, then he jumps. He gets nervous and jumps. I keep feeling like I'm fucking stepping on him. But, like, if I didn't say it, I don't know whether he would have. He's out waiting for Jane right now. Yeah, and then, he, um, then he'll, like, like, go inside himself almost. Like Right, that recreates the problem. The biggest problem for me, as always, is me. What? I'm the fucking disaster. No. Baby, it's all right. Uh, I'm going to try to talk to Hard, Rowdy, uh, Hard Rock... Uh, Johnny very quickly. They have him up as Jarred Rock, Johnny, but that's not it. Uh, before Jane Lynch comes in. Johnny, you're stopping by tomorrow? Yes, I'll be there tomorrow for a little bit. Um, so the Pope thing, I think, wasn't he supposed to, he was supposed to be a transitional Pope. And they thought he was going to die sooner than he has. And that's where I think it's all coming from. Yeah, but he was they supposed all to go get like from... that. You can't step down. It looks bad. Oh, it's crazy. It's like my wife called me this morning on, you know, she always calls me when she gets to work. She called me early. I'm like, wow, you're at work early. She goes, no, I just heard the Pope's resigning because, you know, she was, she's mostly upset because she now teaches in public school and not Catholic schools. She was like, damn it, I'd get a day off for this. That was she was perfect, a little upset. Yeah. yeah, she would have gotten a day off, but it was a little crazy to think about. I mean, to he, me, the Pope stepping down is like when Paterno, around <laughs> Paterno, it's the same problem. Yeah. Over and over and over. Always the same problem. A very good show you sound like you got lined up today. At first I thought, you know, you said you're going to be talking to rock royalty. I thought you were going to introduce me. Then, because I was on hold, then I heard one of the funniest people ever. Then I was like, oh, so Ronnie thinks I'm really funny. But then yeah. it's Jane Lynch, so neither was me. So it was a little sad. And not you, but you're in the same, you're closer to each one of those guys than they are to each other. So you're the, you're the link there. I bridged, I bridged that gap. I wish you were coming in for our mass tomorrow, but I understand you refuse. You're uh, coming in to talk about famous pants? <laughs> we're going to talk about famous pants. Maybe, maybe I'll bring to you one of the coolest guitars ever. That would be fun. If I, could bring, if I can get this thing out of its case and have it travel safely, I'm going to bring you a really cool guitar from an amazing artist tomorrow. Huh. Let's take a guess. Hicks? Bruce? No, guitar. I think it's going to be Hendrix or perhaps Clapton. Oh, shit. What if it was both? If it's anything less than that, I'm literally going to urinate on the guitar. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring that one that we gave away the day that we did the uh, the wrestling gimmick. Where you, <laughs> yeah, the Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan guitar. The Bob Dylan guitar that I was like, rub some soda on it. That'll make it look old. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do that again for the next gig. I'm going to take make Fezzy take a back shot for the guitar. <laughs> during, this, during the wedding, he's going to yeah. just get a, I'm gonna honky-tonk man him. Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, is it Eddie Van Halen's guitar? No. No Eddie Van Halen. I think you were pretty close on the first one. Mike Piazza's guitar? Please. Oh, big Mikey coming out in the papers. Still not about. gay. Still, <laughs> still not gay. Not no, gay. He's still not gay. He's uh, still not gay. 
I'm with ladies. I love my ladies. Here's the thing, though. He was seen so often in the company of Eddie Trump that people just assumed he was gay. (laughs) I believe that he's even beyond the Eddie Trump of tonight. I know, because when I talk to Eddie, I'm like, hey, any way you can get Piazza to stop by. Now, in 12 years, uh, Eddie's always said to me, anything you want, please, just ask me. And then he writes back a no, but I could stand in the hall and watch Eddie talk to him. (laughs) Which I'm going to do. (laughs) You're just going to stand there and take pictures? All right, I got to bring in uh, Jay Maria Lynch, Johnny. All right, have fun, boys. Uh, Seriously, one of the funniest people, as well as beloved. You never run into people who say, you know who I don't like? Jane Lynch. Even people who uh, aren't like Glee watchers. Love Jane Lynch. She's brilliant. Today, I'm going to try to get her to say when the next Christopher Guest film is. And maybe party down the movie. Uh, she is going to be... And we've got the uh, wrong uh, date up here. We have. It's going to be the 15th. The 15th. One of these days, I would love for us to just have one of these things correct. Oh, it happens all the time. Never. All the time. I'll ask Fez after this thing. Okay. Escape from planet Earth. It's a cartoon. And you know how you see 2D? This is in 3D. The yes. first cartoon ever uh, into 3D. And you love all the people. Uh, Rob Cordry's in it. Ricky Gervais is in it. Uh, Jessica Alba. Bill Shatner. Craig Robinson. Sophia Vieira. And, of course, Jane Lynch. Let's bring her in. Just dancing like Jagger into the room. <laughs> I got the moves like Jagger. <laughs> you actually, uh, for a comedian, also because you're so funny and so dry, but also have great physicality. Oh well, thank you so much. And now That's you're using figure. that in your voiceover work. I have great physicality <laughs> in my voiceover work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the the film that's going to be uh, Escape uh, from Earth, Planet Escape Earth. from Planet Earth. Yes, indeed. And. All these great people are doing voices, and all these great yeah. comedians are in it. But you don't actually work with them; we you work don't. separately. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's one of the things I love doing is um, uh, being in a booth by myself. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> is working with other people and locking eyes with other people. I love ensemble work, and I'm sure it, I, I speak for probably a lot of people in comedy. Um, but no, you're by yourself in the booth, so you got to use your imagination. It's just a different uh, it's a different uh, process. You've done a lot of voiceover work in the past, though. I have. Yeah, I used yeah. to make 
make my living doing that voice uh, radio and uh, television voiceovers i was kind of like an announcer and those hopefully funny things you would hear on the radio i was uh, i would do those and so doing animation was always the big deal to try to get an animated movie so i've done a couple video games because Mm -hmm. we have friends down there but i always go back to just the gruff guy i'm just like i've got like two voices yeah at least i have two (laughs) say do you want this voice (laughs) or do you want this voice (laughs) i got two pick it pick it do it any way you want because you really don't know what the rest of the movie is about when you're doing voice well i do you know you know you've got a script and you Mm -hmm. know what it's about but i don't know what uh you know i don't know what craig robinson is doing although i can probably guess uh i don't know what george lopez is doing though i can probably guess yeah um but they're not there in the room we're not informing each other's performances in that way yeah so you do this in between your tv show yeah you know the the great thing about animation is it's uh depending on the movie this one and this Mm -hmm. is a singular experience for me in an animated movie i only did one session it was a long eight hour session but um uh usually it's um because it takes years to make these films Mm -hmm. they're very complicated it's a great art um it takes a lot of work uh uh, you typically will do seven or eight sessions over a period of two years sometimes Mm -hmm. um when i would do i did a shrek i did the last shrek and um, i felt like i was recording that for 17 years (laughs) right it went on but you know it's an hour here it's an hour there maybe your first couple of sessions are long maybe a few hours long but for the most part it's kind of knocking it out in an hour i saw this uh film at a theater with like 900 kids oh did you it was 900 kids with me how'd it go over they were going crazy yeah oh good and but they were getting and laughing at jokes that i know that they couldn't get because there's some beatles like guys are doing beetle voices and stuff and they're laughing and i'm like you kids you don't don't even know what the hell you're laughing at (laughs) that's for your parents (laughs) you're laughing at funny voices but you're not getting the references right well that's for the parents and that's what i love about animated films these days is that they put in great jokes for us well a lot Mm -hmm. of parents go without children now too it's always funny that sounds creepy yeah it'll be at 10 (laughs) o'clock showing what and people are going in you're like you don't even have your kids with you um well this is one that you know adults will love to see i mean it's funny it's a brendan fraser it's hilarious and he's so good and rob cordry's so good they really knock it out of the park yeah i'm a big rob cordry fan too i think i think he's going to just explode he did he was nervous at the premiere of this and afterwards he said how did you feel and he was uh i don't know you know it was just really weird i don't know i i, I don't he was really i said you got to get over that dude you were great you yeah were great well you of course first, i think of course you have this giant hit tv show but yes. i have to admit when you did that show it broke my heart because you left party down which was oh, my man. favorite yeah favorite tv show oh, me too and from what I understand, they always do rumors. Oh, there's a movie? Yeah, there's I heard a movie. That too, and I think I, I uh, kind of heard what the story might be, and um, I, I don't know when they're going to do it, and I, I hope I'm, it's the story I heard I was in it, so mm-hmm. we'll see. But that was one of those. Um, accidents of casting where you know uh, i'm sure the producers knew what they were doing but none of us really knew each other there were a couple of people is who that me. right yeah i i hadn't met adam yet adam scott um i i didn't know uh, ryan hansen or lizzie kaplan or ken marine you know, had i worked with ken yet no i hadn't worked with ken yet either we hadn't done role models yet when we did the pilot right for party down and um uh, Paul Rudd was supposed to play Adam Scott's part, and then Paul, you know, his movie career just went poof, took yeah. off. Uh, so Adam did it, and um, uh, we 
literally loved each other. We loved each other. And I know the same after I left and Megan came in. She's such a doll. They, they all loved each other, too. And uh, we all started smoking cigarettes, which is not a good thing. <laughs> but um, at least we weren't doing crystal meth. But Yet. We, we, uh, That's because you left. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who knows what happened after I left. But we had... Um, we had the best time, and uh, Martin Starr. Oh my God! Just, yeah, yeah. It was it was a really wonderful, and you know, the Stars uh, Network was great in that they gave no notes. Uh, we had one guy writing. John was writing, and his name is escaping me now, and I love him so much. Uh, he was our writer, and he wrote for all of us. He captured all of our voices so well. Martin Starr imp- improvised everything mm-hmm. uh, because that's just who he is, and. Um, he, uh, man, every every uh, episode was just uh. well. And you know, all you guys seem to be working in the same way, and there now seems to be, in my opinion, like this change in comedy that's mm-hmm. taking place. I would say maybe it started with the Christopher Guest films, mm-hmm. the Ensemble. people who who watched that type of thing yeah. and said, "I'm going to right. put the other person over. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, make this thing work." Mm-hmm. I think uh, what what happened, and I benefited from this. I, I have a career because of it, and a lot of other people do as well. Is we became ensemble comedies, mm-hmm. and as opposed to even if Will Ferrell was the headliner or Steve Carell or uh, Paul Rudd, it was the best joke wins. Um, it was let's improvise this scene let's um let's try it 12 different ways um we were doing uh the 40 year old virgin uh judd would say he'd say jane get in there like we were on sitting on the bench on a basketball team and he would say you get in there now and uh you know my part got bigger because he kept you know throwing me in it was just it was a it was a joy just a joy to have that kind of trust from your director Uh that he's just like let's see what we can make out of this but is there any downside to it do you sometimes feel like Okay, I left a lot of great stuff that you know didn't make the film. Or oh no, I never think about that. You First never, of all, you just I let have it go. no memory. <laughs> My short-term memory sucks. Um, rarely do I walk away and go, I can't believe. I, I never. I can't yeah. think of one time. You just don't remember, you know. And these guys know how to edit. Guys and yeah. girls, they know how to put things together. Well, the, the, your breakthrough stuff in the guest uh, mm-hmm. movies. When you go back and measure it, you weren't really on that much in some of those early roles, but they were such memorable scenes, I think. I think that had a a gigantic thing for you where every time we saw you, we were just hammering it. Well, and also, again, there, another wonderful uh, accident of casting was uh, Jennifer Coolidge and I ended up just falling in love on that movie, and we we couldn't wait to get to the set. In fact, the days we didn't work, we walked around town together and laughed and and did went on ridiculous escapades and and uh you know so i i loved working with her she is a unique unique wonderful human being specifically unique because you can't ever see anyone else doing the kind of no she does her, she does her own thing you yeah know, she's just her own she's her own thing and it's a it's just a delight but this would be great if you just like announce the next guest film wouldn't today. it be wouldn't ladies it? and gentlemen yeah we no, you know decided what, <laughs> what we're going to do right it's going to be civil war yeah. Reenactors. Um, so people have pitched that. I, I yeah. bet people pitch to him all the time, and I'm sure he loves that. But he's uh, doing a show on HBO now with Jim Pittock, uh, who's another guy who's yeah. in uh, that unofficial ensemble. And uh, um, I, I, God, I'm looking forward to that because I know he's got some of the old crew back and some of the old. Well, know. it's so strange the way television has kind of taken over mm-hmm. from the movies, mm-hmm. where you're starting to get these really great TV shows. Ugh, Modern Family. Yeah. Come on. 
And people... It's a great time for television. There's really terrific... Mad Men, there's such great... Homeland, great television shows and great television shows. Yeah. And they're Mm -hmm. staying away from the networks to a a large degree. Yeah, some of of them are, yeah. Yeah. And they're all on cable, you know, Mm -hmm. AMC and uh, uh, HBO and Showtime. I I love episodes. I'm a huge fan of the Matt LeBlanc comedy. It's a really, really funny show. Yeah. And again, you you know, you said Matt LeBlanc, mm-hmm. but it's the ensemble to that. I mean, those mm-hmm. British people are oh just God, they're great. phenomenal. Do you know that all of the, they, they shoot it in Britain. All, I didn't know this. Yeah, they do. They, they You can tell the exteriors are L.A. They're, yeah. you know, uh, very obviously L.A., but all of those uh, 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 supporting actors who are playing like the Hollywood people, yeah. they're all British. I had no idea. Yeah, I looked, of course, because I'm a, such a, um, a fan of it. I'm online looking this stuff up, and they all are British actors nailing American kind of Hollywood types. So, do you remember, though, like when we were younger, the British could never play American, and mm-hmm. now you never know if they are, who's yeah. Australian, who's, who's British. Right. Oh, Kathleen Perkins is American. She's, she, she's American, but uh, everybody else. Matt LeBlanc and uh, Kathleen are the only Americans on it. Uh, all right, so your film is Escape from Planet, from Planet Earth, yes. coming out in theaters everywhere this Friday. Uh, Friday. Um, and what else is next for you? Are you looking at... Yeah, I might be back here in New York doing a little Broadway. We're working really? on it. I'm not at liberty to say just yet, but I, it looks like I'm going to be here and for two months, and you'll be the first one to know. <laughs> now, did you... Have have you done Broadway? I, I, you, the, I did kind of Broadway. I did um, Love, Loss, and What I Wore, the, my beloved Nora Ephron's uh, mm-hmm. play. And uh, I did that for a month. You know, she had a rotating cast, but that was sitting on a stool and right. reading from a book, so it's not like, you know, what you put in to doing eight shows a week. Although I was exhausted at the end of the week, dude, yeah. just doing that. Um, uh, I'll be uh, hopefully doing eight shows a week on something uh, here. Uh, and you knew Nora very well. Um, I knew Nora. I wish I'd gotten to know her. Mm. Uh, I didn't know her very long. Um, a few years, uh, I did Julie Julia, and then I did that play. But I had a really nice connection with her. She was. A huge champion of mm. mine, and then I'm talking to people I, who know her, and, they, and, and the first thing they say is, "You know, Nora was such a huge champion." Wow, of mine. that's phenomenal. She was wonderful at sitting down with people and saying, "What can I do for you to help you?" Or let me tell you what's unique about you and why I like you so much. And you know, she's the person. She said, "Never have a square di- dining table; it should always be round, so people can talk to each other." She's just, she's an amazing human being, and I, I really miss her. And I, I'm so grateful, so grateful. I had. Uh, the three years I had with her. She's so, uh, such an extraordinary person, mm-hmm. and there's so many people say the same things that you're saying, yeah. like, she, you know, saw something I did, contacted me. Yes, and that's what she would do. Boom. Yeah. People don't do this. People seem to be so much more competitive, mm-hmm. you know, but what is there to be competitive about if yeah. these projects begin and end all the time anyway? Exactly. And what what she's interested in, you know, from what I could tell in the, the short time I knew her is she she's so interested in human nature. She, she was all questions, you know. She would reveal stuff about herself if you asked. In fact, she re- was quick to do that, to be intimate immediately. But she was like, what was your mother like? Really? I wonder yeah. if that's why you're because blah, blah, blah. And she's like, connects the dots about why you are who you are. And oh, my God, who, who doesn't love that? Somebody who pays attention to you and says, why are you who you are? Wow. And that's what she was interested in. I was at uh, Nick Stoller's premiere and she mm-hmm. was there and just came across her. And it was like my 
real New York moment. You yeah. know, like this is exactly when you moved to New York, you want to feel like you're at this party. Yeah, and she is there. Nora, and there she is, and she there. she was New York personified. Absolutely. You know? And I I come here and I still feel her here. That's to terrific. me. She's still here. Um, so great to have you stop by, Thank and I you. hope. Uh, you come back to New York. I hope you come back and see us oh, when you do. You bet. You bet. And seriously, let's get the Christopher Guest thing. I would love done, it. I wish I had the in. power to do it. Why don't we all just put the energy out there? Put the energy <laughs> out there. We won't stop until it happens. Yeah. Escape from planet Earth. This is a great, uh, fun time to take the kids out and see a movie that you can also enjoy with them. Yeah. Which, thank you so much, Jane Lynch. My pleasure. I'll thank see you. It next time coming through. Great. How much you like her, Chris? Love the Jane Lynch. She's Love the really Jane awesome. Lynch. Just came in dancing. It was really fucking great. She's so, like, the weird thing about Jane Lynch is you kind of feel like you've already known her before you know her. You know what I mean? Like, she just feels familiar. I wish she was fucking here all the time. Well, she will be. Good. When she comes back to New York. And I'm pitching her a couple ideas on the Chris Guest. I gave her expats because I talk about that with Rob Cross all the time. I think it would be really funny to have these funny people living in like Ghana or something. <laughs> Philippines. Yeah, Philippines, whatever it happens to be. That could be the funny joke is like there's some kind of overthrow. So everybody in this trailer park moves to another weird island or a weird little third world country. And always trying to figure out the money and the local customs. Fucking great. Come on, Jane. Get that shit to guest. At your uh, Jane Marie Lynch, if you want to uh, do the tweet to her. At Jane Marie Lynch. So sweet. So nice. I'm glad. I'm glad she was so nice. You have a drunk weekend? A little bit. A brewery opened in Astoria. I checked it out. Congratulations. Thanks. Did you do the show with uh, Dave Saturday night? We made, he made it in. Yeah, we made it in. I was very surprised so. to hear that because uh, I thought Jersey would be very bad. He's, I, I talked to him like the next day, like the afternoon, so the roads are clear. Let's do it. He likes to get that money, right? <laughs> they, don't, they don't put him on the page unless he shows up. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't love the monies. Yeah. He's got a pay or play deal. He's got to play, he's got to play if he wants to get the pay. So yeah, we came in. Baby, it's all right. What did you think of the Grammys last night? Uh, you know, I like the idea of the Grammys. I like the idea that you go from hip-hop to country to some weird, you know, Spanish guy, you know, playing the guitar and singing. That was cool. It's, oh, yeah. uh, 
They lose it for JT, do they not? They just love the it, Timberlake. It was the JT show, and during the commercials, it was the JT commercials. The entire thing was fucking just... Oh my God, thank God Justin Timberlake made another album. The music industry staved. All right, let me ask you, because you and him, you're the you're that generation, you're millennial babies. Uh, you both dated Britney in the past. Thank you. Justin Timberlake, confident or cocky? Um, it's turned into cockiness because he's fucking, he took over the MySpace things, which obviously he's not doing anything for. Now he's part of the fucking, Bud, he's a Bud Light musical curator or some shit. And because this new album came out, and fucking everyone's just losing their shit over it. He feels like he's the savior. He is now officially fucking well, cocky. Do you understand that when you take six or seven years off and you come back that and people are excited, that means you have a lifetime career. That means that you are not some flash in the pan. You actually have now moved yourself into the Frank Sinatra, Rolling Stones, David Bowie, one Rod Stewart, anybody that's going to be around for a lifetime. Where you look at a Billy Idol, very big for three or four years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, that's what I'm talking about. There's like a lot of people, like Herman's Hermits, massive during their four years. Monkeys, massive during their four years. Beatles, massive forever. So I'm starting to think Justin Timberlake really is that thing guy of whenever he wants to do something, he'll be able to do it. That's weird. The rest of Ed Sink is just fucking doing God knows what, and he's just dominated the world. But it's cockiness now. He has cockiness. He's not, he, Fez, welcome back. I'm going to try not to step on you the rest of the morning. Boy, you got a lot of stuff signed by her, huh? Well, we've had, you know, some of the Christopher Guest performers in, so we're adding signatures as we go, so stuff is kind of piling up. Oh, nice. Good, well, let it pile up in uh, your office, because everyone around you uh, is calling the fire department. Oh, what the fuck, Catholic Channel and the Spanish Channel. Justin Timberlake, we were talking about the Grammys last night. Mm-hmm. Confident or cocky? Cocky. Okay. You and Hicks feel the same way. Absolutely cocky, and just the whole, I, oh, let me mess up the teleprompter on purpose. Oh, that's my line. Just to try to come across more adorable. I don't get it. You don't think that he is adorable? He's, I, He's a triple threat. He dances, he sings, he acts. And the ladies love him. Uh, and business people love him. Physically, he's as hot as can be. But when that cockiness comes in, it takes away some of the attractiveness for me. Did you watch any of the Grammys last night? I know you don't enjoy the music. I was, I had it on, but really couldn't pay attention to the musical portions of it. All I heard was LL Cool J just const every time he was on stage hosting, bringing it back to LL Cool J. It was... And this surprises you how? He's a rapper. It's, it's just it's, annoying. It's 30 years now, Fez, that he's been talking about himself. He named himself Ladies Love Cool James. So, I mean, that is his act. That's what rappers do. But someone else needs to introduce you as doing fantastic in television and movies and music. You and can't stand there and say those things about yourself. Unless you're a rapper. And then you also bring up that your, your cock is gigantic. And ladies love you. You got mad cash, got fuck a bunch yeah, of Yeah, look at this. 
I got beautiful. All... Come on into my house, check it out. And then when you get to the bed, to the bedroom, you go like this. But this is where it all happens, right here. This is where my babies come from. How about your guy Jack White? <laughs> Loved it. Tore it up. Jack White still dressing and acting like a rock star. Drops the f bomb. Yeah. Uh, but to me, the highlight of the night out of, and I thought they were great musical. Uh, performances, you know, and the fact of the matter is, if you don't like them, fuck it. There's another one coming in four minutes. You're not really weighed down with a lot of uh, of speeches and shit like that. That gets too deep. I didn't see the Grammys in a while. They really fucking they, they really they, got a tight ship. They're there. a variety show. They yeah. have been for years, and they're about putting weird people together and doing that musical thing. I mean, the the Elton John, Mumford and Sons, Mavis Staples singing for Levon. Fantastic. Um, but to me, the highlight of the night is a man walking across the uh, stage with a cane he doesn't need. Prince being a motherfucking movie, uh, rock and roll star so big that the people that they gave the Grammy to don't care about the Grammy or their speech. They can't believe they're standing next to Prince. Goatee or Gotye or whatever. Who I thought it up. that was great. That was really awesome. He said two things. Your nominees are, the yeah. winner is. But the way he walked, <laughs> oh, like, motherfucker, yeah. Like he came in carrying coke and prostitutes. That was fucking, that was great. I loved it. And, you know, uh, to Fez, I don't, I don't think that you get the rap thing about you can't say themselves about uh, those things about yourself. That is the gimmick of rap. You have to go back and listen to it from the beginning. That's all they've done. And uh, LL Cool J beloved, I believe. He's one of those guys. He's been... I mean, you're really looking at one of the early, early guys. Him and Run DMC and Beastie Boys. Right? And he was like 15 or 16 when that was all happening. And he's put out just fucking, what, like, at least 10 albums of shit. I mean, he's, he's, I, I couldn't tell you the last album he's put out. He's more of a, an actor now. No, yeah, he's definitely but, more of an actor, but he will go out and rap. He rapped last night. At the end, it was great. I brought Chuck D out. Oh, Chuck thought, D was the shit, man. Yeah, Chuck D is so great. Uh, Matt, you're on the Run of Fest show. Buddies, you see that uh, tricycle in the first video with the flamethrower attached to it? Yeah. Where do you get one of those? You got one of those, Pepper? Um, no. Pepper gets one of those whenever he needs it. He will get it brought to him in time. From the Renaissance Center. The rack. So, yeah, uh, highlight night. A lot, a lot of highlights. And uh, for me, keeping it going, uh, we're going right into All Star Weekend. The only All Star game that's really, really fun. And a slam dunk contest. Can't get enough dunks. I want to see what kind of car they jump over this time. I'm, I'm hearing there's going to be a phenomenal dunk. I'm <laughs> good. Mean, I'm going to be sitting in my house with a thing that says 10, like a little, my own little scorecard. Give it to Robert Griffin. He's the man. Uh, Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Monty B, what up? Hey, hey. What'd, you, uh, what'd you think of Katy Perry with that dress with those fucking tits hanging out like that? <laughs> um, see, that's why they have to. That's why they have to put up these things in advance. Now, Katy Perry, to me, I thought had one of the funniest lines of the night. She's given out an award for Best Newcomer, said I didn't ever got this, but now I have my own line of eyeliners. I thought it fucking killed. They loved it in there. And those. And she was with the John Mayer. 
See, I heard they broke up. You no, guess you can't believe those rags, huh? Well, I don't know if you're a rag if you're really a website. That's got to. We've got to come up with some sleazy version of that. Yeah. But uh, webloid. That would not, be rab. That's rag. Not, that's not sleazy enough, webloid. I mean, rag. You're basically saying fucking jizz rag. <laughs> I like the Jane Lynch, because uh, I love the donut mouse with her. Definitely working on that. What's to work on? Let's just say yes. Hey, dog. I mean, the thing is, if you wanted to date someone, you said, I want to date you. And they said, oh, I'll work on it. Like, this is I'd be like, you just fucking insulted me. Um... Steve, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, what's going on, guys? I just uh, I want to ask Pepper real quick. Who the fuck does Robert Griffin play? <laughs> oh, for? shit. Oh, yeah, that's wrong. Blake Griffin. Blake. Blake Griffin. All right. Thank you. I, well, did you think RG3 was coming out? Yeah, yes. Slam I, one down? That would be great. I don't think Blake Griffin's going to be in this one, though. Come on, Blake. Fucking man up. That guy's the shit. Baby! It's all right. Um, Fez tried to put up this story last night about Grammy having extra security because of the rogue cop and cop killer. And I'm like, fuck, they're such pussies. No. The fact that they th their, their ego is so gigantic that they think this guy is going to come back and shoot them. He's not. The fucking guy is gone. There's a million-dollar bounty on his fucking head. He's in the f mountain somewhere. Or maybe he just burned that truck. And this shit is some tradecraft type shit. Zero Dark Thirty fucking spy game crap. All he has to do is have some chick that nobody knows about. <laughs> or it's that. that simple. If there's some girl that he just bangs on the fucking outside and like, let's keep this from me and you, he could be in her attic right now and no one's ever going to know about it. I'm starting to like think, like there's all these conspiracy theories out about the guy. and I By feel like conspiracy theories, do you mean online fan clubs? <laughs> that's, that's also strange. They're calling him Black Rambo. Uh, I think of him as Legend of Billie Jean. Fair is fair. Um, you honestly start to believe some of the conspiracies? I, I hate conspiracy theories. I hate them, but this is so weird and that he's been able to actually get away from the cops and that he's fucking just gone now. And this is like the biggest bounty in fucking Los Angeles history. Well, it's a giant manhunt. Biggest manhunt in Los Angeles history. Biggest bounty in like uh, Southern California or whatever. Ever. Now, I'm going to tell you this. When I heard about the bounty, the million-dollar bounty, and I guess the city's putting this up, right? Yeah. I felt offended. You know, we have a lot of regular people who get murdered every day, and there's no bounty. No. I mean, you're now saying, okay, cop's life. More important than a housewife's life. In, in, here in New York, they have the, the cop killer reward or whatever. Thinks it's $25,000 leading to the arrest of someone involved in a cop, a cop getting shot. That's all over the place. Well, who puts that up? Private people? I think that's the cops. Yeah. See, that I don't mind because private people can put up whatever they want. But when the city says, we are mad about this, we're putting up a million dollars, right? Why aren't you mad anytime anyone gets fucking murdered? Maybe we should be constantly throwing up million dollars. Because the media ran with this one. Because it's a the media ran with it because the cops went on this massive manhunt that we've never seen before. 
they actually uh, accidentally shooting people. Jesus. I yeah. mean, and that plays into the conspiracy thing. Like, wait, what are you doing now? How? Why is it so important? Like, if this was a movie, you'd be like, why this guy? Why is it so important? And they shot up that car that was that barely resembled his, and with two women in it. It's 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 a lot of weird shit going on here. And apparently, and they're saying that like this guy had, it was like high up his like security clearance or whatever. The Navy was like really high up, so he might know shit. And that they, they think they're just trying to assassinate the guy. At this See point. now, you, it's like this is being like a Jamie Foxx movie, <laughs> a Will Smith movie. You know, like do you think Hollywood helps us get into these? Conspiracy heads. All right, eight six six Ron zero Fez eight six six Ron zero Fez. But I knew you guys answered me back. Are you offended that this guy's capture is more important than any other capture? It's it's uh, yeah because the reason for it is they're embarrassed. They can't get the guy. He's one of their own. I think. Well, he's not one of their own. He's fired. So he's definitely not one of their own. As a matter of fact, it's almost the exact opposite. Of one of their own, because apparently he was a fucking squealer. But I think that gets around the thing of why aren't you embarrassed every time there's an unsolved murder? Why aren't you embarrassed every time? I mean, we actually could put up a lot of money every time something like this comes up. Um, here's um, Dennis. Dennis, you're on the Run of Fest show. Good morning, Ronnie B. The idea is not so much that a cop's life is worth more than somebody else's. It's the idea that somebody that would kill a cop or specifically target cops, uh, since they represent and protect society, is that you're targeting society as a whole. So if somebody's specifically targeting the protector of society, what can they possibly do to the rest of everybody else? And yet, we're not hearing about that happen. You, you understand? Like, a cop killer isn't necessarily somebody who's normally on a cop rampage. Son of Sam targeted society. Um, obviously, any psycho killer, any mass murderer, anybody who goes out there killing women, the, the hillside strangler was against society. Your point being that there's something about the law enforcement part of society that is more important to society than college girls. Well, they're calling... Anytime that... Go ahead. They're calling him a domestic terrorist that you don't get with other how is everyday that, murders. How do you not say that if a guy is going around choking college girls till he dies? Uh, the sniper was a domestic terrorist. I didn't see the million dollars go up for him. I'm just saying when you put the million dollar up for a cop killer... It's almost like the government saying, you don't understand. This is about us now. Not you fucking people. Not your kids. This is about us. I think it would look better if they just treated it like they would uh, anyone else. Um, Rich, you're on the Run of Fed show. Hey, billion and a half, Ronnie. Yeah. A great interview, by the way, with Jane Lynch. I loved her in that movie. Uh, role models. I thought that's like she was fucking hysterical. <laughs> huh? You doing blow? Is that it? You <laughs> sucking dick for cock? It's so fucking funny. And oh, I've been right. in that meeting before. <laughs> I've had those discussions. 
Yeah, it was great. I love that movie. Yeah. Well, I think maybe we might look at it as a Mark Wahlberg the shooter movie where he might be being framed. See, this so is what Hicks is saying. I'm buying into it. Man. And this giant well, manhunt. He's a drunken pill popper. Yeah. I don't believe anything. You're a dick from Virginia. Well, but, but it is true. You are a drunken pill popper. But let's get back to this. The reason why there's conspiracy theories is because he's being treated differently than anyone else. And that makes people go, well, why? What does he possibly know? Because now they're acting like just killing somebody isn't enough. Even killing a cop isn't enough because we don't normally act this way. Um, let's go over to AJ. You're on the Run of Fed show. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, AJ. Oh, it's EJ. But, um, yeah, I personally think that that guy's going to turn up dead. The way they're just shooting randomly without verifying who's in each vehicle first and filling it with 50 bullets lets you know that this guy knows something that they really don't want to get out, and they're going to kill him real quickly and make it painted like it was a shootout or he reached for something, and he's going to turn up dead. Well, that is what Chris Stanley now also believes. Yeah, there's something fishy going on. They have drones after this guy. They're fucking just laying out everything they possibly can in this gigantic manhunt. See, I think it would look better if they acted like this every time there was a murder. Like, we have to solve this. This is absolutely important. No, they're, they're used to just regular people getting murdered. It's the complacency or something, or just it happens every day, so they're just fucking burnt out, or they... So many murders happen that they're just... I just think murder. it's one of those things that, you know, when people are saying that the people, regular people don't respect government or don't expect respect authority this is one of the reasons because you're acting like if something happens to one of you guys it's more important than what happens to regular people on the street uh joe oxycontin if you will um here's ann ann you're on the run of fest show yeah, um, they're shooting him differently because he didn't just kill cops. He kill. He was trying to kill the daughter of a cop, he, and he killed a cop accidentally when he was trying to kill her. Why would he want to kill the daughter of a cop? That's not a weird. Because part of this. this cop apparently pissed him off, so he was going after his daughter. So fucking crazy. Now again, I get it. But if you're going after anyone's daughter, why isn't that a million dollars? You know, if you're going after Chris, if Chris Stanley. Uh, finds out someone's targeting his daughter, why would not just be as important as someone targeting a cop's daughter or a politician's daughter? I'm going to keep Stanlietta very safe. Stanlietta? <laughs> sure. You're fucking like George Foreman. Um, here's Dan. Dan, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, guys. Uh, just wanted to say that, you know, these cops, they're charged with protecting, protecting and serving, but, you know, now they've got to protect and serve Constantly, constantly looking over their shoulder. You know, I would uh, be you any. I'd be doing that anyway if I was an LA cop. You yeah, know what that's, I mean? that's true. But this guy, this guy is specifically targeting them. You know, not you know, not just any Tom, Dick, or Harry on the street. That's that's my thought on it. I'm not sure about. I, I get what you're stuff. saying, but the whole thing of Tom, Dick, and Harry, as if the rest of society is interchangeable, and people with badges or political people, because. It's just treating something differently. In other words, 
let's suppose there was a disease out there, right? That was only targeting hetero people, Fez, right? Heterosex. No. And suddenly everyone act like, this is the most important disease in history, then you would be a little turned off. That's my point to this. It would come across better from a society standpoint if we stopped acting like people who kill cops are even worse than people who kill college girls. That's the problem with this. Um, let's go over to Alex. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. I think what's different here, what might be different is, since this guy's got a manifesto and it's in public and there's like a hit list of people he wants to kill, I think that's what sets a, a level of urgency in this case uh, versus other... I did not see that in the manifesto. In the manifesto I saw, it's performers that he really thought yeah, he did some good T work. Shark Week. Uh, Charlie Sheen, um, Patrice O'Neill, Louis C.K. He's a big fan of all those people. Uh, I think if you were Louis C.K., you'd be like, really? You have to bring up my name with this? After that whole Peeping Tom thing, fucking California's getting a little weird. Yeah, they're getting a little weird. Just now. I call them the land of fruits and nuts, and then I start laughing. Um... All right, here's Brian. He's a police officer in San Diego. Go ahead, Brian. Hi, uh, yeah, I think some of the reason I get what you're saying about the bounty, how maybe it looks bad since it's a cop killer, but we got to remember that he killed two people before he shot at the cops, and he brutally beat up that 81-year-old boat owner down here in San Diego trying to steal his boat. So I think it's a combination of the whole rampage and the fact that he's so out of it and so unpredictable. Uh, that's led to the bounty more than it just that he killed the, the cop in Riverside. Now, so you were saying that he it's because no matter even if there wasn't a cop in this, the million dollar bounty would have went up. I'd like to say that I see where you're coming from on um, where it might not have, uh, but I think they're able to to put that out there uh, with uh, with more certainty because of the whole totality of everything that he's doing. Now, are you are you surprised that he seemed to have slipped through the net of this uh, of this no. manhunt? No, I, I don't think that once he burned the, the truck up there in Big Bear, I, I can't imagine with the snowstorm that we knew was coming that he burned that and stayed up there. I loved your point about if we had a woman we don't know about, we'll never find him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what happens. And I think if you've yeah. been any kind of dude in your life, there's one fucking chick that nobody... <laughs> would suspect would take you in because in the back of your mind you're always thinking you know what there's that one fucking broad no one ever knew i was with her and she really dug me i know i fucked her over i think i could go back there you know yeah i think you will i just want them found because i'm tired of having to ride with a partner i don't normally ride with a partner and now they're making me ride with a partner everywhere so, huh everywhere in california yeah. you guys are just Locked into this. It's like a movie. Especially down here, because we know he was down in San Diego, and we know, you know that he was in the area locally, and I don't think he's around here anymore right now, but, of course, you look foolish afterwards if, if you don't you know, play it safe at the beginning. Well, you know, let me ask you this. Being a cop and knowing that you're out there every day, and then you're hearing that there's already fan sites for these guys and conspiracy theories, does that almost take the wind out of your sails? Is that like, why do I even do this? Uh, it probably would if I was one or two years on, but after 15 years on, you're like, yeah, that's kind of what you expect. Yeah. 
you, you know, they, they only love us when we race in to, to be the hero. Otherwise, you know, we're just the idiots breaking up the party or writing them a ticket right. or, or creating havoc. So, yeah, it's not unexpected. You just kind of have to roll with it, I guess. All right. Thanks so much, my friend. Be, uh, all right. You guys. All right. Uh, keep us updated, too, if you hear anything going down. I will uh, say this. For me, this would be like if you found out people really liked Radio Shark. Like, fuck yeah. Radio Shark <laughs> is great. Um, Kate, Cincinnati, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Um, Ron, I agree. I think it kind of goes back to that whole hypocrite, um, people calling Obama a hypocrite when um, he said no guns in school, but his kids could have the gun protection. Um, it always, it's always different when it happens to you, and I think that's what the L.A. You know, PD is worried because it's, it's specifically targeting them. What what we found out, Kate, is that that wasn't even true, that there weren't guns at that thing, uh, because the news guy, Gregory, whatever, his kid goes to the same school. It's weird how much bad information we get all the uh, time. Um, Let's go over here to Matt in Brooklyn. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. I love you, man. Did you read the whole manifesto? There's a no, reason why he's doing this. Go ahead. There's a reason why he's doing this. Because he was done wrong. He was the one cop on the force who was trying to do the right thing. A couple of people had called him nigger. He expressed his feelings about it, and nothing was done. A couple of cops in the Rodney King, happened when they beat Rodney King, they're captains now, lieutenants. And sergeants, and they're in charge of people. So if you're a cop that's done that and you got in the way with it, if another cop comes to you with the same situation, you're going to be on the. You're not going to um, look at it, you know, like like you're supposed to. You're going to be thinking about it. Well, I got in the way with it. Maybe I'm going to do with the cop side. And then, and you know, LAPD was notorious for this. They've been doing this for years. This hasn't just started. And so this man is retired. The way it looks at me, I read the I read the manifesto. The way it looks to me. He tried every avenue that he could, and nothing was done. All they kept doing was blackballing them. They even tried to get into his um, MCU account, the credit union, and tried to mess him up there. And so they, met, they, they made his name really shit, and he had to do something about it. What he was doing about it wasn't getting done, so what's your next move? If I'm talking to you and you're not paying attention to me, if I go off to slap the shit out of you, now I got your undivided attention. And that's what he did. So you're one of the people, uh, like Chris Stanley, where you think there's a lot more to the story, and you also uh, feel yourself feeling for the guy. Rather than just see him as a, a murdering dog, you're like, well, this is how this could happen. Maybe something else is going on. Uh, right. I, Read I, the manifesto, because um, it, it'll tell you. And you know what? I used to work for the post office. You have a lot of these jobs that they will promote the bad-doing people and people that's doing good are the whistleblowers get the foot in their ass. And a lot, that's why a lot of people just go along with the um, bad conduct because they don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy who got canned from my job because I try to do the right thing. No, I don't want to be that guy. And person, I don't want to be, but they keep on doing these bad things. It's got to stop somewhere. Well, when he was whistleblowing, they said he made all that shit up, that, that no, he was falsifying the, reports. Well, you would have to do one or the other. You would either okay, have you would be a whistleblower or you'd be a liar. There would be no right. middle ground there. Hey know? Ron, listen. Yeah. Hey, nobody's come out saying he's a liar. Nobody said he's a liar. And in his manifesto, he named names, dates, and places. So come on. All of that can't be no lie. 
Read the manifesto. It's got all that in the manifesto. Name, dates, and places. All right. Thank you, my friend. Um, Fez, I'm going to put you to read the entire manifesto. Okay. I only read about people that he liked, performers that he liked, uh, and that made me laugh. And then I saw Charlie Sheen's video out where Charlie said, please give me a call. Although he didn't give out the thing. Uh, it's weird how quickly the internet helps the conspiracy theories get started. Yeah, I got, I'm sucked into it, man. It got me. Uh, Mark, you're on the Run of Fez show. 86649, buddies. Yeah. The the thing is here, you know, you go back to the Dark Ages where, you know, if you had an assault on the king's soldiers that was seen as the same thing as an assault on the king, government will not allow its enforcement um, branches to be questioned or to be, you know, threatened because it's seen as an assault on the government itself. And so that's why they're putting up a reward for this guy. I, I get it, but here's my point. Wouldn't it be great if an assault on any of us would be an assault on all of us? Wouldn't it be great that if you beat up somebody uh, or killed somebody, that it would be like considered an attack on all of us? Because that's the way it's supposed to be, you know? Well, cops are going to be closer to other cops, I'm, gonna, I'm guessing. So they're always going to, it's always going to matter. That the guys who are in charge of getting the bad guys are going to care more if, they, if one of their own is going to get I, fucking. I get that. But wouldn't it be easy enough to say a shop owner, we all shop. We all know shop owners. So some uh, guy working a bodega in Brooklyn gets clipped. That's an assault on all of us. Our kids go into stores. I mean, we could use this same attitude all the time. And I think that would make people feel less distant from cops. Because people feel like, well, they've got the power, yeah. so they abuse it. This is another way of looking like you act like you're more important than us. Here's Gary in Virginia. You're on the Running Fest Show. Oh, yeah, that uh, guy before the last caller, uh yeah, see, if I read somebody's nutcase's manifesto, somehow that's all the truth. Uh, so he says, but this guy, he didn't get what he deserved, so somehow he justifies killing people. That uh, doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. I just can't. Uh, I, I don't understand that logic at all. Um, yeah, well, I it's haven't like read it like reading the Unabomber's manifesto. No, I, I would agree with you 100%, although, weirdly enough, people seem to always be into psycho killers. Like, how many people have read about Manson, and the list goes on. True crime books. Uh, Andrea uh, wrote to me, Pepper Keat won't correct you, so I'll let you know that Jane Lynch uh, plays the cheerleading coach on Glee, not the principal. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I always thought she was the principal. Cause I I don't cause I'm fucking a giant fucking Glee fan. I've never seen I've seen half an episode. I wouldn't know. We understand that, but you're supposed to be the producer. You should be like, here is your dossier of everything that you need to know. True. Thank you, Andrea. You're doing what Pepper Keat won't do. Pepper. Although I understand the Pepper Keat um, shirt is selling gangbusters. Well, that's so great. I hope I get a piece of that then. Yeah. Mm. If I'm not, I'm going to call my lawyer. Um, Dave in California. What's it like out there, Dave? Oh, 
it's freaking ridiculous out here, you know. Um, I had a buddy that was up in Big Bear when the whole deal went down up in Big Bear, and he couldn't get out of town because of everything that was going on. With this whole L.A. thing and offering the million-dollar reward, they're scared. They're getting made to look like fools. Nobody can catch him. Nobody can find him. That's what you I know? think. It's all ego. They're getting out-policed by this guy. How do you think out-policed? It's a fucking game of hide-and-seek, and he has the entire planet. The one. Well, he was, it's he not was that. One of them. Uh, l- let he me knows just say this. They're going to act. But but look, uh, you guys are making up a thing that isn't all that big. If he has, if his cousin's friend has a fucking place in some mountain that nobody knows about, and he could go in there and break in and stay there. I mean, th- it's not that unusual for a guy to go on the run. And be out there for a year or more, two years. It happens all the time. There, there used to be that fucking America's Most Wanted TV show. Those guys were gone for five, ten years, a lot of them. And they were on every computer. This isn't all this unusual that somebody commits a crime and you don't catch him immediately. Um, here's Brian in Chicago. You're on the Run Fez show. Hey, guys, I think I could help uh, clear up a lot of the conspiracy theory people um, on this. Um, the first thing is um, Dorner made a phone call to uh, one of the victim's uh, fathers, who actually was his lawyer. The phone call originated from Vancouver, Washington. He made this phone call Thursday afternoon, the same day that his truck was found at Big Bear. Second point was... Um, so you're saying somebody else burned up the truck? Well, I'm saying that um, one thing that's always struck me as odd about knowing the distance from L.A. to Big Bear, it's two hours. How does one guy get two cars from L.A. to Big Bear, right? Uh, so you say he could, be, he could be having a buddy. He could have people that are working with him. He's not on that mountain. It, it seems like it is a decent possibility just because, Ronnie, I don't know if you've ever done the drive from L.A. to uh, Palm Springs or Big Bear or anywhere like that. Right. You know, it's not really a place that a six foot, two hundred and seventy pound guy is going to take the bus back to LA and going to go unnoticed, right? Right. Um, and, and there's no sightings of him. Am I correct about that? No, he's gone, he's man. He's fucking ghost. I mean, nobody has said, "Oh, we've seen him. He's turned up here or there." Well, there was a reporting yesterday at a Lowe's in um, uh, the LA area. I want to say. Um, it was in L.A. County, and uh, they cleared out the lows because of it, and it turned out it was just a random black gentleman. Um, there was another thing. A lot of people are losing their minds about why the uh, L.A. helicopters weren't allowed to film Big Bear. Do mm-hmm. you guys remember that? Yeah. I think it's pretty simple, the explanation. His car was uh, set on fire around 8.20 in the morning is what they're saying. The news coppers, uh, copters and the police didn't get there until about... 2 p.m. California time. I think that the police, knowing that he, in all likelihood, was probably way gone from Big Bear by then, probably had a small response unit showing up, and they didn't want, in case he was there, to let him see that their response to Big Bear was anything but paltry at best. So they took the choppers, not allowed to film, just in case he was there. So they were trying to create a ruse to lure him back to L.A. while he was trying to create a ruse to uh, get them to all move their resources to Big Bear. So you're, you're seeing this all as just being a chess game right now? I think I think so. Um, I don't see it as anything more than that, and I don't 
understand the urgency. The thing that I thought was really interesting was the phone call originating in Vancouver, Washington. And the reason I say that is because unless this guy is like Superman, Inspector Gadget, and MacGyver rolled into one, A, you'd think that he'd still be on the police force, but B, I don't know how he has all the capabilities to be a expert at all of these things and still able to morph a phone call to make it seem like it's coming from Vancouver, Washington, when he's really in, you know, uh, Los Alamos, New Mexico. So what is your theory on the whole deal? I, you know, I really don't have one. I, I've been listening to a lot of uh, local L.A. radio over the weekend, and what um, – I got from there was, you know, there are a lot of people compassionate to this guy because he has a lot of frustrations, frustrations that people can relate to. Uh-huh. I, pers- I personally can't relate to it because I've only had really good experience with uh, law enforcement. Um, but, you know, in reading the manifesto, I can somewhat understand his point of view, but I can't relate to it. But I was surprised by the level of people that weren't uh, – justifying or happy for what he did, but were compassionate towards uh, what he has written about. The um, It does kind of take you back to the O.J. trial, where it wasn't so much that people would be on the side of O.J. just for the government losing on something. They got a big kick out of it because a lot of people feel pushed around. Uh, well, I mean, after Rodney King, uh, yeah. that's... Absolutely expected. And for full disclosure, I'm the one white guy that never thought that OJ did it. Still to this day. Uh, who do you think did it? Just everything I just said. Um, I don't know, but I looked at the evidence and I just don't think OJ did it. I think uh, he probably was there at some point, but no. All right. Thanks, my man. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Um, it's very, very strange because this thing ties in with so many uh, movie-type scenarios, whether it's Rambo, Born Identity, of, look, you've trained somebody, right? And now he's using his training against you. And it's weird how many times that we've seen this movie, and, of course, you have to uh, make a, a leap of faith. You have to suppress your, you know, disbelief. And now you're prepared to do that with a news story. Normally with a news story, it's the simplest explanation. Um, And I also do think it has something to do with people either being unemployed or feeling underemployed. So there's a lot of frustration out there. Um, To get back to my initial thing, though, I think it would look better... If the if the government didn't make um, it look like murdering some people is so much more important than murdering others, um, let's go over to Steve. Steve, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, what's up? You know what I've noticed is is that we were. Uh, uh, I live in Los Angeles. I'm a white guy, college educated, and actually over this weekend I felt safer because the cops are actually, instead of harassing me and the other people in the city and the county, they're out searching for this guy, one of their own. And they, and they really try to put this guy into this box 
uh, of, of that he's a psycho, and they call it a manifesto. How else could he got his word out there that, that people were fucking with him? And, uh, and, and <clears throat> why don't they have a reward for the, the officer-involved shootings? You know, every day out here we have some officer-involved uh, harassment or, or shootings, and we don't do shit about it. And then they, they just push it off. It's on the news. Something happened. Like those people that got shot up in their truck because they drove by somebody's house. It's all about themselves, these, these fuckers. And you know what? The police, they're just a bunch of young dudes with uh, too much testosterone. They get out of the military. They haven't been debriefed yet. They put them in fucking cars. They drive their asses around and, 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 and treat people like shit. Every day I get harassed riding my bike around town, and, and, and I'm somebody that's Maybe looks like this guy, but I'm a white guy with a shaved head. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, so, disgruntled employers should probably take a, a, a little heed of warning because uh, they, they fucked with this guy. So you feel like because you've got a shaved head, you're kind of a rough looking character, that the police target you every time that you go out in Los Angeles? Not every time, but yeah. but a lot of the time when I'm around and I live in kind of a, an interesting area of Venice, California, with the beach down here. Sure. It's kind of a they, they got the gang kids coming down, but they also got rich people down here, and and it's 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 abusive. That and then and then the cops they'll, they'll like harass where gang stuff's going on. They'll harass somebody because their dog shit on the beach, and they'll be given three cop cars will pull up to them on the beach and, and harass the dude. These guys, I don't think it's 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 right to say they have their comeuppance, but this might be the the first time you know when it's Rodney King. It's like well. There's a problem with OJ. Well, there's a problem, uh, and now the the chief is going to look into this himself. He's going to he's going to review the facts of of the manifesto and this uh, and these charges that this guy's making. It, it's a crock of shit. But seriously, I feel safer. I don't have any problems going out. This guy's not going to shoot me. I didn't fuck with him. I didn't take his job away. I didn't lie uh, in the blue code or whatever shit you want to call it, so that then they can. Uh, do whatever they want to do. It, it's been bad here for a long time, and it's going to continue to be. And uh, I, I like these people in Chicago and Virginia telling us how it's like me commenting on your snow problems. Now, I understand oh, completely. For years, I've heard people in Los Angeles complain about different things and saying that East Coast people just don't know how it is. But in the same way, I hear it from black kids uptown that get hit with the the stop and frisk stuff uh, that doesn't happen to me being a white guy walking around on the east side uh, I've never been treated anyway but respectfully but I came in proper skin color proper age group where Hicks long hair you're gonna get hassled more yeah. but less than your black friends oh, yeah. less than your Hispanic friends I've, I've been stopped and frisked before but that's happened in a long time but I, I've had fucking cops roll up on me it sucks um, Here's Tom in Oklahoma. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Randy B. Uh, one thing that got, everybody's got to remember is that I'm a police officer, too. I've been for 16 years now. Is that we're so outnumbered in this country that, it, that that's pretty much why it's always been just about every state I could think of a capital offense to kill a cop. Uh -huh. There's got to be a fear of killing cops. Otherwise, we're going to be overrun. And, yeah, I know I'm here in Oklahoma. I'm from Chicago. I grew up in Chicago when the Army came out here and retired. Mm -hmm. But uh, people just got to understand that the reason why it costs more to kill a cop is that we are so outnumbered. It's unbelievable. So do you feel like 
at any given time it, with the police, it's an us against them. When you look at the general public, is that who you're saying outnumbers us? Are you saying well, criminals outnumber you? No, criminals. Criminals. Okay. I, I'm not afraid of the public. No cop I know is afraid of the public. We love the public. Mm-hmm. It's the bad element that intermingles within the public. Where, I mean, I'm off duty right now. We got a guy out here that's threatening to kill my whole police department. You know, and I, I have to watch my back off duty. I have to watch my back while I'm on duty. You know, and um, we're just, my whole point is that we are so outnumbered, and I never seen this until I became a cop. Well, and you that's, know, it was the other thing that's always been interesting to me is not have the cops be more vocal about the guns on the street thing. The fact that you can't trace a lot of these guns, blah, blah, blah. I've always been surprised that the police themselves haven't been bigger on that. Well, you know, honestly, and this is a, this has been a real big talking discussion between all of us and law enforcement out here. Oklahoma is very, very conservative with guns. Everybody's yeah. got one. Part of the reason why we hardly ever have any school shootings out here is because everybody's got a gun in their truck. You know, you I, know and, I was talking to somebody I know the other day. Somebody I would have said in a million years wouldn't have picked up a weapon who did because they feel a certain threat. And I'm like, yeah, when you feel a certain threat, you definitely do uh, want a gun. Um, it was uh, somewhat of an eye-opener for me. Uh, let me go over here to um, Orlando. How you doing, buddy? You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, Ron, the reason why a lot of people are kind of rooting for this guy it's just that a lot of people these days, we just don't feel that justice is being served. I mean, we live in a world now where if you don't pay a parking ticket and you don't go to court for it, yeah. they'll put a warrant out for your arrest and you'll get thrown to jail. I mean, meanwhile, the financial crisis, these fucking bankers ruined the country. They got bailed out and no one got arrested. Not one fucking person got arrested. They ruined the country, ruined the shitload of people's families. And nothing happened. And meanwhile, the little guy, we get fucked over all the time. So, you, so think, you tend to root for this guy on almost like a Robin Hood level. Yeah, like, no, but the sad thing is, no, I don't. And I don't identify with this maniac because the police are our friends. They're, they're the ones that are on our level. It should be directed against fucking people that, that make the power systems. I mean, the cops are just doing their job. They're fucking, they're trying to help us out. And I guess, you know, there's just some assholes that fucked them over, but it should be like the captains, the fucking politicians that are making all these rules. Not, not, they shouldn't be against the cop. Like, this guy's fucking going after civilians, man. This guy's a fucking asshole. All right, so, so you're I, just saying I, that's I where do. some of the frustrations come from. You know, it's it, when this thing first came up, if you look back in the 1930s, there would be people rooting for, you know, Dillinger and Pretty Boy Floyd... And those kind of people. Yeah, just because, like, good, fuck the banks, good, go in there and shoot those fuckers up, just because they had their own problems. And I'm wondering if a lot of this fan club shit that they're calling it that started online, where people immediately started identifying with this guy. And by the way, I don't think anywhere close to a majority, but enough that it weirds some of us out. You know, that you look over and people are like, yeah. He's got a lot of defenders. Seemingly so, if you just look on the internet, just at a glance. Well, you were somewhat defending, or at least saying uh, conspiracy theory. The problem for him, once you start clipping people, it doesn't matter what your beef was before. 
You know? Especially uh, the, the one girl that was just... No one even knows why he just killed that one woman. For yeah, I don't know the details of this story so much. And, you know, I gave the manifesto thing just a glance because... I, and as soon as I'm like, what, you're now bringing up, you know, Larry David and saying you're fucking great, you're, you know... I mean, I don't see what that's got to do with anything. That, to me, seems something more that a fucking crazy person would do. Um... Phil, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, that girl that got killed, that was his supervisor's daughter. Your name That's isn't Phil. Um, Jim, you're on the Run of Fez show. Go ahead, Jim. Um, I got a question for you. What does society do to protect the protectors? Well, they've already got the guns. They've already got the badges. They've already got the power. Uh, the job of them is to protect the rest of society. And now you're gone. I would love to discuss that with you. I mean, I guess you thought that, the, that your line was going to blow my mind so much that I would spun out of control. I'll get back to what I said early on. Offering a million dollars and putting more into this manhunt than you normally would if someone's daughter or wife or brother got killed helps separate us it helps make us feel like hey there's an us and them and those people get it better than the rest of us if you're some somebody who just works a regular job and I, look I know uh, a little girl that was murdered I bet we're going back 15 16 years and that crime has never been solved a little girl that was killed on her um senior week christ down there partying and she was found next to the road murdered certain suspects came up nothing ever got done so do you and there wasn't any million dollar reward for her there is still a killer of 17 year old girls out there a mur and who knows whether he's ever done it again. And that crime has never gotten big national attention. It happens. Um, let's go over to Frank. Frank, you're on the Run of Fest show. Good morning, gentlemen. I know the one thing that will solve all this. The one person coming oh, with here an comes a joke. is Kai, straight out of town. Kai. Blam, blam. It's smash, smash, smash. Kai was abused when he was a child. And that's why some of the stuff that he says. Uh, John, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I think it's kind of a moot point to, like, uh, try and understand and analyze his method and his motive, uh, uh, whether, you know, they think it was a conspiracy and stuff. I mean, the bottom line is this guy's a fucking psychopath. He's a murderer. And... and they should analyze it after the fact when they arrest them. It's just like a waste of time and resources to have people talking and, and gossiping about his... Uh, well, know. I think... Uh, I, yeah, I'm going to somewhat agree with you and say this really has more to do with our society than it does with this case. I would agree yeah. with that 100%. There was nothing that, I, uh, that I've seen. And I haven't watched as closely as some of these other folks. Mm. I mean, Brian in Chicago... Seems like he's put in a little bit of his own, you know, gathering information. Uh, 
this has not been top of mind for me. It wouldn't have been top of mind at all until I heard the million dollars. That was the part that really uh, surprised me. Um, really, really uh, shocked me. Um, spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Here's some good news for the people of Philadelphia. Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Uh, Mike Vick has brought his price tag a little, down a little bit so he can stay with the Philadelphia Eagles. Nice. Spy report. Spy report. Dog killer. Spy report. Spy report. He did his time. He's coming home. He's done his time. Somebody saw him the other day. He was walking down the street. It looked like a Paul was sticking out of his jacket. Um, no. Tony, you're on the Run of Fez show. Tony, we got you, buddy? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? I've got a friend that is a police officer, and there really is that us and them attitude. They they run around with those blue stripes on their license plate in the front where the license plate should be. That signifies to other policemen that, hey, I'm a cop. Leave me alone. You see me speeding. You see me running around. This guy, I, I'm afraid to get in the car with him because he drives like a maniac because he's a cop, and it's okay for them. You let an average Joe like me get in the car, drive. Hey, and you know what? I'll tell you, if I get a ticket, I give him a call. He calls somebody. The ticket disappears. That's bullshit. Don't get me wrong. I've used it twice, but that's wrong. That's all I got. Uh, when I came up here to New York and people started giving me those cards that you were supposed to give to cops... When you were pulled over, blah blah blah. Oh, yeah, I'm like, I am. I would fucking think I would be risking offending cops. Like, here I know somebody, and they told me to give you this, and that you would let me go. Not sure how this works. I see that you look angry now. It's supposed to make it better. The Californians. I'm telling you this right now. California is different, man. It is different. The Californians. Um, Charlie, you're on the Run of Fez show. Did you say Charlie? Yeah, I did. Okay, sorry, you cut out there. Um, one thing I was going to touch on, Ron, was is going back to what Hicks had said earlier and stuff and what you were saying about the million-dollar reward, big manhunt, drones, all these different things. When, when you look at all the other instances where you know people are called animals, psychos, maniacs, it usually ends and them either taking their own lives or being brought down by the cops, FBI, whoever it is, at the instant of, of when it's happening. Like crazy people, animal psychos, they, they tend not to run. And psychos tend not to go someplace and just shoot somebody and then take off, burn their vehicle as a diversion in the woodland area to make tracks and go off somewhere else perhaps, you know, and make them think he's in the mountains. Crazy people don't rationalize like that. They usually just go on their spree do their thing that's horrific and horrible and either swallow the gun or go out shooting. That's usually what it's always been in the past. And, you know, like, he's running for a reason. Like, there's got to be some other part to this whole story that's not being brought up or that has, nobody's clued into yet. See, I, I honestly think that, you're, I, I think that you're using movie logic. Uh, I mean, if there was some ex-military guy who got in some trouble, I don't think it's surprising to see him using his military background that's to true but what about free himself like uh 
the guy at Fort Hood a couple of years back, uh, the guy that just did the horrible thing at Sandy Hook, the kids at Columbine, all these different shootings, the one they had in Canada up in Quebec somewhere, whatever the hell it was a long time ago. Like, they either go out on their own or get taken out. Like, I know yeah, it but, sounds kind of movie But again, I, too, I don't but. think that they have the skills to move the way this guy. This guy has survival skills. I don't think that... They've been you know, ingrained in him. Like, he's went to the military. He was fucking high up or whatever. And supposedly this guy was a people pleaser. When he was in school, when he was in the military, at some point something snapped in him. Um, but I, I am not surprised if he's got friends of some kind helping him who believe in him. And again, for all the survival talk, if... He's with his this guy's cousin's girlfriend, some connection that the cops could never make, just staying in the fucking garage, and food is being brought to him. That could go on for a hell of a long time. Yeah, I, I don't think he's surviving out in the woods. Well, uh, with the million-dollar reward now, there's really no good scenario for... The uh, LAPD with his inter- with this guy's internet following growing. If they take him out, then conspiracy theories grow even more, and he's a martyr. If they bring him in, then it's like the fan club is there because he's going to get to speak some more. And if they never catch him, then he ju- then he's just legend. And no one ever said that any of these stories ever have a good fucking outcome. You know what I mean? The only point that you want to see that justice comes down but i don't imagine that they're sitting around thinking about his internet following that's us talking about it i don't think that the lapd is thinking hey we got to be careful this guy has an internet following i don't think they give a fuck about that they just want to find him but you know this whole thing that you guys were bringing up earlier like how could he slip through this i think there's a good chance if you took one of us and said all right you run will give you 24 hours and can you slip through? I think there's a pretty good chance one of us can do it. Um, you know, it only takes one ride and you're five, 600 miles away, one fucking plane and you could be out of the country. Doesn't seem like that big a deal to me. Well, he's going to run out of cash and then it's like, how do you know if he has friends? Well, I don't know. Oh, you don't think I have people I could get in touch with that would get me cash? I think everybody does. I don't think that this guy is somehow alone against the world. I think he has, like any of us, people who would be there for him. And if he is a survivalist type dude, he'll have fucking lockbox or something. He'll have shit stashed away. Whatever. Right. The guy's doing. The guy's. I don't think that that you're you're going to be the one going to the supermarket. Somebody's going to do that for you, no matter where you are. Uh, Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Mike. I'm going to try one more time because I like what you called in for, Mike. Mike in New York. Um, let's go over here to Ryan. Ryan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. How you doing today? Good. Um, hey, just wanted to just, you know, maybe weigh in a little bit. At, you know, after reading the guy's manifesto, man, he talked about you know, pretty much, you know, it all revolved around, you know, the partner that, you know, he wrote up a report about. And then as you read into it, you know, this, this chick has, you know, relations with maybe not, you know, you know, personal relationships, but like being a former partner 
with the higher ups, and it sounds like this guy got railroaded when you know he brought it to attention of that you know um, was a use of force incident. Um, I mean, we look at it right now. You mean you know what the guy went through? About you know, I'm not condoning it at all. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but. You know, you never know what's going to happen when this is all said and done, whether he is killed, arrested, or whatnot. But what happens when they, when they, you know, they reach into this case and they find out that, you know, he was right about these things? And that's all I'm saying. And of course, also, um, this million dollar reward they, they want to put out for the bounty. Um, you know, how the hell, how the hell do you expect your people to do that, especially these days when, um, Firearm safety and fire, you know, owning a firearms is so hard to get, especially in California. How the hell do you expect your people to go out and try to find this guy and apprehend him without having to well, be... I don't think they're looking for apprehension. What they're looking for is somebody that I was talking about, somebody that would be in his inner circle making a phone call. Making a phone call and just saying, dude, guess what? Fucking Chris Stanley no. has been known to date that chick. Why don't you go check that out? That's who the million's going to. They don't want people out there riding around like in Jaws on boats <laughs> with fucking dynamite. They're looking for somebody who felt some trust that this guy feels trust with to play the snitch role. Just information to roll over. To. But when they use the word bounty as opposed to a reward, which they would in a normal murder case or any case, bounty does make it sound like everybody has to be on the hunt for this guy. You're nitpicking. You know that that's not what they're asking for, right? Right. No, I think it makes it more dramatic. But what's the difference? The point is, we agree with whoever leads to him being busted. I mean, even if you had a gun... You're better off calling the police saying, I know he's in that fucking building, rather than going in and getting him yourself, no matter who that would be. I think a very big part of this has to do with what comes up every once in a while. The reason why you are seeing a lot of the Internet stuff, is, and we got it from that one call from the guy who lives in Venice Beach, is people that are part of our society who don't feel like they're being treated. As part of our society or it becomes that kind of a class warfare when you think I'm being treated this way so these people can do this I'm being hassled it's like if you went into Central Park and you were being fucking hassled so that rich people could play fucking polo no you know what I mean yeah. I think people in the country start to feel that well way uh, Steve you're on the run of Fez show hey Steve how are you how are, I don't know what's going on with our phones, but I'm getting, like, the wrong name for people all the time. What can we do for you? The Rock says your name doesn't matter, so it's all right. There this you is go. A stir this is a disturbing aspect of society at so many levels. It's glorious, it's fascinating, and it's so disturbing. Because all of us, at some point, I don't know if it was Black John Rambo we were looking for exactly, but everyone has felt fucked by the government, by the power structure, by the inequality, by skin tolerance. We finally found someone who didn't have anything to lose and was willing to go out there and start taking names. And they're the wrong names on, for the most part. I mean, the innocents and the kids, I mean, it's, I think it's an act of, that's a little irrational, but I think we've all dreamed of that one guy with the sense of justice who's decided that, you know what, you can't take people's houses away when you triple their taxes and they can't pay it. You can't give away billions of dollars to criminals. You can't blow up children with drones and then deny it. You can't spy on people. You can't take all their assets. You can't send their kids to war for money. And you can't, uh, you, you can't continue this. Somebody finally 
is not comfortable at home in their little suburban environment with their two and a half kids and their dogs. They have nothing to lose, and they're going to go out and settle the score for the rest of us. It's, it's kind of a strange thing. It's, here's the interesting thing, uh, Steve. You projected your own frustrations on this one dude. You know what I mean? Because I don't think he did this for any of those reasons. In other words, if he still had his job as a cop, he'd probably go around fucking with the guy from Venice. You know what I mean? Like, in, in other words, what happens here is I think we're like, yeah, I'm frustrated with the way the uh, world runs, so I'm going to go back and forth. Uh, I'll give you an example. When I hear people talking about it's the corporate structure against the government, right? Mm. Big government or letting corporations do whatever. I think it's a fucking joke because I think there's no one that's more Coke and Pepsi than the government and big corporations. There's no one more responsible for putting people in the government than corporations, and there's no one that the government coddles for more than corporations. There's no one more that has the status quo has got to stay the way it is for them to be fucking happy. So why do I think that they fight back and forth? I don't. I think that's bullshit. Um... Let's go over here to Tony in Dallas. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, man, I've been thinking, I, this sounds like this guy's got this been planned out for a couple of years, and maybe he's he's got all the money he needs, he's got all the hiding places, who, who knows that he doesn't have another car stash somewhere. I mean, it, you know, I don't think it's a spur-of-the-moment thing for this guy. So it's, You think the whole really, time he had a plan? Yeah, I think he had this planned out for, you know, it's been five years since he got fired, they said, and he was, you know, that's a long time to stew over it, and... You know, it, who knows? We might never find this guy, and then he's going to pop up. And I mean, can you, you know, imagine, after, you know, to be totally honest, the obsessiveness that it would take for you to hold on for something after three or five years and still be pissed off about it, still be as angry and as hurt it's day one. as the day it happened? And then plan on killing people over it. <sighs> I don't get it. I mean, I see it being a lot more fucking loony than a lot of our callers do. I just saying it as regular craziness. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not wrong about that, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I haven't even paid that much attention to this story. I just, I'm more of a conspiracy nut about the Pope breaking a 600 fucking year tradition by dropping out. I think that has more to do with gay... Kid touching than anything else. Pedophiles touching. Yeah, gay pedophiles. Since there hasn't been a single case of a priest touching a little girl. At least that makes them straight pedophiles. Be understandable. That means a vagina. Oh, God. I'll stop just talking about that. <laughs> uh, Chris, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, uh, Ron and Fez. Yeah. Hey, um, Eric Rudolph, the guy who... Uh, uh, was the Atlanta Olympic bomber, and he was shooting abortion doctors. Right. He was on the run for many, many years because he was military trained just like this guy was. So like that one caller said, I, I really think he might be on the run for quite a few years. Um, yeah, and, and that guy didn't have any great military training at all. Um, I'm not... I am not getting that this guy, and maybe I'm wrong completely, because I know nothing about the case. But my initial thing is I'm not looking at Black Rambo. 
I'm not looking at Robin Hood. I'm not looking for somebody striking back against the government for the greater good. I'm looking at someone who had their own personal beef, let it stew, and like a lot of jealous and angry people, he decided he was going to make someone pay for his pain. And I don't see where that's different than a lot of other crimes. What I'm seeing from the internet and some of these callers are people projecting their own frustrations with modern life and saying, hey, look. And, you know, I took it back to the 1930s. That happened with a lot of those gangsters. And I don't think Bonnie and Clyde cared about regular fucking people. You know, I think they cared about making some money for themselves. I think this guy had his own beefs. Um, let's go over to Jeff. You're on the Run and Fest show. Hey, Ron. I love the show. Hey, uh, people are making this guy out to be, like you said, you know, the Black Rambo. And, like, he's some highly trained Navy SEAL. The dude was in the Naval Reserve. So he trained one weekend a month, two weeks in the year. It's like that... Like he's one of those guys from that old movie where the guys go down up the swamps of Louisiana, the National Guard guys, and then the hillbillies get them. I, I love that movie. That's a, that's a great movie. But it's that, but that's the way this guy's. It's not like he's some you know he's an ex Navy SEAL that's you know got all these covert skills that he's going to go you know and snipe these cops when they're not looking. So I mean, people are making a little bit more out of that than they should, I think. And I agree with you. It's just some random nutcase, man, but he's just getting all that attention because, like you said, he, he's killing policemen, and he's an ex-cop, and it's that kind of, you know, they, they've got that mentality that they're, you know, they're they're enforcing the laws, and they're the, 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 the ground level of the executive branch, and so it's just a nothing-in-sin thing. All right, thanks, man. Um, here's Mike. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, that Chris Rock joke where he's talking about O.J. killing Nicole Brown, and, and he says, I don't agree with him, I don't agree with what O.J. did, but I understand it. And I kind of feel the same way about this guy. Obviously, I don't think that necessarily if somebody gets you fired from your job, they should be executed, but I try and think of this guy as he might be one of those totally obsessed guys that wanted to be a, a cop his whole life, finally got his dream career, he was doing good police work the way he thought it was supposed to be done, and then when he, you know, when he blew the whistle on people, they just did what cops do. Cops don't don't fucking deal with that that type of betrayal. They they go outside what's really right and honest, and they they got that. They probably right. got that guy fucking fired, and probably ruined in his eyes ruined his life. They pro I, probably. All right, let, let's take this back a little bit, okay? Because. Yeah. The guy that you're explaining, the guy who feels personally wrong, so he takes the law into his own hands and kills people, is the last guy I want to be a cop. Oh, if I he know. really, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, yep. if he I'm really wanted to, to expose injustice, write a book, do a documentary, yeah. fucking Keep put it. out a blog, explain what went on with you, and you know, I'm not saying it'll be easy to expose corruption. You can, you get. Zero points from me. Yeah, zero I think, by clipping I think people. Got, no, I, I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it the same way you are, rationally. And I think he got himself into a, into a pitch where he was just so narrowly focused and obsessed with his loss and his and his his personal damage. 
He couldn't fucking let it go. And yeah, he that, I, and I'm being totally honest about this. That's the guy I don't want to be a cop. I want, I, I want the guy who's going to be a cop to be like some of the people we heard from today. Very <laughs> rational. The cop in San Diego said, look, I'm used to people being emotionally towards me. I don't like it, but it's part of the job. I feel very confident with that guy out there as a police officer. Level-headed. Huh? You seem level-headed. But you, not only do you have to be level-headed, unfortunately, you have to be the most level-headed. You can't be like that guy who's like fucking with his, you know, girlfriend's exes or whatever. You gotta rise above a lot of shit that a lot of even regular people would be able to get away with. You know, I'm sorry, you can't smack somebody in the fucking... Uh, head, head at a ball game because you're a cop. You know, you're not just there drinking like everybody else. Um, so, yeah, I don't identify with this guy at all. Uh, I'm not comfortable with this story. I think um, that a lot of this stuff is just crazy talk, Chris Stanley. Crazy talk. Um, John in Fort Bragg, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, like a million bucks, guys. You guys Thank sound you. great. Hey, uh, just like the, uh, the caller a couple times ago said, uh, uh, you guys are making this out to be some, he, he like some, he's some uh, Rambo dude. He was in the Navy Reserves. I'm in the Army. I got a bunch of friends that are uh, soft guys. This guy wasn't a SEAL. <laughs> he probably he probably has some skills from Call of Duty Black Ops 2, but you know, you're making him, you're giving him too much credit, for God's sakes. I mean, and I hope, I hope he gets caught and gets blasted, because, you know, as much you, as You'd I, rather see him get killed on the run than brought to justice? Yeah, I, I would. I, I mean, as much as I, you know, fucking hate the government sometimes for a lot of shit they do, and I work for the federal government, uh, and I get a lot of what a lot of people are saying, you just don't, I just don't, you know, when I'm pissed, I don't go fucking take it out on my my boss and his boss and, and, and kill an innocent family member. I mean, there's, Look, there's you're, right you're, Yeah, you're not going to be part of any fucking structure and be happy. Uh, we went through a thing here with uh, UCB Fred yeah. and HR. And we thought HR was totally wrong. Uh, we went to our bosses. We fought for it. Some of our bosses said, yeah, you guys are right. This is an injustice. This kid, you know, should get his... Uh, we pushed it as far as we could. When you finally, though, take the loss, you have to say to yourself, this sucks, it's unfair, and life goes on. You don't sit around stewing and think of how you're going to get even oh, we'll get with that. people... <laughs> And I'm very serious about this. I don't think, you know, I don't look at those people beyond what we have on that thing. I don't think about how would they like it if their life got fucked up. Because any revenge factor would fall, to me, as a, as a sign of insanity. We have a, a, a different agreement of what corporate life should be like and what is good for the, the company and what isn't. But at no time do you personalize that. There are other things that you can do with your life. Stop being insane. You know you're sliding into some kind of insanity whenever you're thinking about 
revenge. If you're looking to come up with a, a fake name so you can follow somebody on Twitter and they won't, you know, it's an X and they won't know it's you. You're falling in the darkness. You're falling into darkness. Pull back before you get even weirder. Stop it. People have a hard time pulling back. Well, this is what ends up happening. Yeah. This is where it goes. Uh, Travis, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ron, million bucks. Yeah. Um, wanted to see if you had seen, speaking of conspiracy and how you try to fight it, if you had seen the HBO documentary on the uh, Catholic school in Milwaukee that you know, Father Murphy was molesting children mm. and you're doing it in a very uh, methodic way and how these kids grew up and tried to do something about it and their journey on trying to get someone to listen to them, including the police, the church, and ultimately the Vatican. And uh, I want to see if you'd seen it. want to hear your thoughts on it and how it kind of relates to this type of thing, how the structures that are in power do so much to deny any kind of wrongdoing to the point that, you know, what do you do to, to get people to listen? Well... Uh, I, I've taped it. I haven't watched it yet. We've had Alec uh, has been on our show for uh, past things. From uh, Magic the Magic Bus. Magic Bus. Yeah, he's a pretty terrific uh, filmmaker. And this is about these gay priests in Chicago. Uh, these guys actually, though it took decades, they pushed it. I honestly think the Pope is stepping down because he... In the past, I don't think he's a a gay pedophile, but I think he's protected some of those people. Well, once the you know, the interesting thing that in the documentary that brought up, he was actually the head of the church in getting all of that information together. Mm -hmm. He knew more about what was going on worldwide than anyone else in the church, which it really brought the question of why was he made pope when he was actually at the center of keeping a lid on all of that. Well, because um, when you rise to those places, you're generally good at politics, and whether it's the church, government, or a corporation, political things play into come into play all the time. But it looks to me, and i got nothing to back this up on, is that he folded down and is pulling out of this well, that's what made it really interesting when I heard he resigned today. When yeah. having watched a documentary last week, it really opened my eyes. And uh, I think it's a great documentary. I think everyone, you know, whether you're a Catholic or not, should at least take a look at it and see the absolute lengths that the Catholic Church has gone to to cover up what is a horrendous problem in that church. And they know about it. And they have known about it for 400 years. Well, they've they've certainly known about it for a long long time um and we've seen nothing but old popes you die in office when you're the pope i don't care about how sick you've been or how tough it is for you to get around because it always has been like that for popes the supreme court judge it's fucking for life it, it, it's it well be. beyond the supreme court thing i mean you've never seen Supreme Court judges that get as old and feeble as these popes. <laughs> I saw him a couple years ago. 
uh, in the Pope Mobile. He went past my house. He was the first Pope ever to go into a um, synagogue, and it was right in my neighborhood. And uh, we saw him drive by in the Pope Mobile. I guess we were looking about five, six years ago. Maybe it happened. He looked pretty strong then, but when you're in your eighties, it can you know goes fast. It can go overnight. I mean, it, it could you know everything goes along and then you then it gives out. I don't think he himself has been accused of being a kid toucher. Um, I don't even think he's gay, but he... All right, kid toucher and gay are two totally different things. Well, we're talking about gay kid touchers, though, not straight ones. Well, there are kid touchers that are just... They're not so much gay as they're just attracted to young children. But they never touch girls. That's not the type we're talking about. Those types are uncles or stepdads. We're talking about priests. Who just want those... They're the gay kid touchers. Little dicks. Why? Well, you could have a nice, thick fucking cock for yourself. <laughs> That's what I don't understand. That's their thing. I got a break. Uh, I'm surprised. Shocked. And I now promise to look more into it. The conspiracy theories on this guy. It sucked me in. I, I feel shitty. I'm it, shocked by that. Because if it isn't a conspiracy theory, then this guy's just a fucking asshole piece of shit. Yes. And I feel like I'm on that guy's side now, until proven otherwise. Um, bottomless woman rampage on the Bronx. <laughs> uh, I don't know why we didn't call this bare-ass rampage, but it's up on the iBang. You have to see it. It's also all part of a new section on the iBang that we are calling, what, Hicks? iBang Viral? iBang Viral. Now... I think that's going to be my first spot that I go to because I like to see either people getting knocked out or people being pushed off of things. Oh, fuck yeah. Or things exploding in front of people. They hold down the firecrackers too long. Crazy weird rants by just fucking crazy internet people. But uh, my other fact, somebody should send this to Anthony because this is his kind of Bronx thing that I think that he'll get a big kick out of. <laughs> this woman, in the middle of the day, bare-assed and on some kind of a Bigfoot uh, rampage. I don't even understand it. And do you have a connection at Worldstar? I'd like to get this up on Worldstar. I'll look into my world star people. This, this actually was sent to us from a uh, uh, a listener, and we wanted to big uh, shout out to uh, Brian Tremator Plumbing. I guess they were up in the Bronx and get a picture of this. But either you or Pips, who are my world star boys, <laughs> you got to try to get this uploaded because it oh. seems perfect for them. When she falls on her bare ass. <laughs> On the sidewalk. <laughs> Fucking perfect video. And the fact that it doesn't even seem to be that big a deal in the Bronx. No one's freaked out. Coming up a little later on in our show, the great Brian Ferry. God, that still gives me chills. It's going to be my second time having him in. It just gives me chills just even thinking about it. Uh, one of the boxes up today, the Joe Paterno report is out. That has to do with also gay kid touching. Um, it's pedophiles. It's probably the best term gotcha. that way. Because if you throw gay in there, it makes it sound like all gays are kid touchers or pedophiles. I didn't say that. 
I would no, never but it say just it. sounds like that. I said a gay pedophile, and whenever we have a uh, or a gay kid toucher, whenever we have a hetero kid toucher, I'll be glad to announce it. Hetero kid toucher. Well, Sandusky was a hetero kid toucher. He was married. He had children. Well, he didn't touch touch any little girls, though. No. No, the people he touched were little boys, but he was a heterosexual man in a in a marriage with a woman. But he was having gay sex with the boys. That's what I was going by. Um, we need another term for it, is what we need. Gale-file. Gale-file sound good to everybody? No, it doesn't sound good to me. Pedigay. Moperp. No, you Movert. Like it's half homo, half pervert. Momo. We need to just take the gay part out of it. These are just sick individuals. Touching little boys. Anyway, um, that is up. It's just fascinating. And a big part of it, what they were selling, is that Coach Paterno was so naive and so uncomfortable about anything sexual that he could not even believe it happened. He was the type of guy who could not watch Love Boat. He found it disgusting. And he wouldn't even let people use the word fart in front of him. He was like, please, can we watch our language? Damn, Paterno, you old school. He's old school, but turned him into an old fool because he ended up letting a gay fucking pedophile get into his... uh, And stay there. Pedophile. The gay pedophile, Sandusky, just tore shit up. Literally. Do you mind the word homodusky? I do mind the word homodusky, yes. All right, we're going to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about one of Hicks's best friends, I believe now, film critic, that you sat next to. Yes. Um, that is in a little bit of heat because he crossed a line with what he said. Uh, and I, I do think that this is actually a uh, a great story. Not that you can even bring... I mean, there's so many great stories out there. Where do you even start? It's it's a fucking wild-ass weekend. Well, you write me a note. I'm writing Fez a note. Okay. Johnny, you're on the run of Fez show. Good morning, fellas. Okay. Um, you know, I think uh, one who smokes would be a, a fagophile, right? Fuzzy? It's no, because that's a derogatory word for a gay person. Eddie, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, what about homophile? Fez? No, let's take the gay part out of it. These are people that are sick on their own. You don't have to imply that the gay is what made them sick. Ped queer. No, we're saying that that's they just wrong. They can they committed gay crimes, not good, healthy gay sex. They would be guilty. These are gay crimes. In the just like I, I think of gay court law. You know the man rape in prison, the gay rape there. That's what we're talking about. This is like that outside the boundaries. People that sit around watching disgusting Russian rape porn, they would be part of this. They would be suspects. Simu- someone taking that's- someone against their will. All right, we break. A lot to talk about when we come back. Go over to the iBank. Check out the new uh, iBank Viral, too. It's just a chance to get a- away from all the reedy stories that slow Hicks down. I just like to watch. And get into the fun K-1 
kicked in the balls someone. Wild and shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I fucking love it. This bitch now your pants on? I watch that over and over again, I yeah. think, Viral Baby. I don't know why we can't get it up on World Star. I think it belongs there. Ron Fay Show. Ron Bennington. Right. All right. Tez Wally. Yeah. This is the, the Ron and Fez Show. There's that fantastic moment with Valentine's Day where you realize you've gotten the perfect gift, and that's giant, fresh, juicy strawberries dipped in all kinds of chocolate, white chocolate, dark chocolate, milk chocolate, a drizzle covered in nuts, and it's all from berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Sherry's Berries uh, provides these. It is the perfect gift for Valentine's Day, and right now, the special deal, starting at just nineteen ninety nine, you get a batch of these strawberries dipped in chocolate. You get that for nineteen ninety nine. Plus, for just ten dollars more, you can double the order. That's over forty percent savings from berries dot com. Go ahead, spend the money. It's a great deal. Ten dollars more, you're doubling that deal. And it's so easy because Valentine's Day delivery is guaranteed. They're going to make sure your berries get there fresh, delicious, and on time. It's not too late yet to get this deal by going to berries.com, clicking the microphone icon in the upper right-hand corner, type in the special code word FEZ, F-E-Z, and you can get this great deal on strawberries dipped in chocolate from berries.com. That code word again is FEZ. You can also call to order 866-FRUIT-02, 866-FRUIT-02, or go to berries.com. This offer ends tomorrow. Get on it now. Nothing says Valentine's Day like a giant teddy bear. Can you imagine your boyfriend, your girlfriend going to work and finding a four and a half feet tall, actually taller than that, teddy bear waiting for them on Valentine's Day? They're going to know they are loved. They're going to be, they're going to know that you think there's someone special in their life with a Vermont teddy bear and the big hunk of love bear. Over four and a half feet tall and available for just a limited time. Right now you can send that to the office. You can send it to the home for just $99.99. Go to VermontTeddyBear.com. That's VermontTeddyBear.com. And you can make sure this is delivered in time for Valentine's Day. Just $99.99 for the big hunk of love bear. Of course, all the Vermont teddy bears are uh, guaranteed for life. And you can choose from any of their classic bears at the website, vermontteddybear.com. You can also call 1-800-829-BEAR. That's 1-800-829-BEAR to make sure that you get your big hunk of love bear delivered in time for Valentine's Day. That overnight Valentine's Day delivery are guaranteed. Visit vermontteddybear.com. The Opie Anthony Show. The Ron Fest Show continues.
show looks like we had a little trouble with that today but it's all up on the iBang it's today's playlist and a strong one if we've ever had one it's uh, Robert Bradley's Blackwater Surprise it's fucking great yeah for that little clip that we had fantastic what if we would have made it to the hook we would have really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, okay, it is a Monday. We're starting out the week, what I like to call behind the eight ball. It's a puffy-eyed morning. We jump into it. So Rex Reed, somebody that I kind of feel like you played footsies with one time. <laughs> you were sitting so close to him at a movie theater. During Killer Joe. Uh, by the way, the thing that you sent me to Sunday, yeah. me and 900 kids. Oof. Funny joke. It wasn't a joke. This is only screening available. Uh, so Rex Reed is talking about the Melissa McCarthy hit. And by the way, it's quite the hit. What's the name of this film? Identity Thief. It opened bigger than Bridesmaids, the big uh, comedy. So I haven't seen it. Yeah. But... Open huge. Now Rex Reed called her in his review. Um, tractor size. Yeah. <laughs> obese. And what was the other phrase? Female hippo. All right, female hippo. Rough Rex. Rex said things about a woman that you just normally don't say, and the backlash to this forgotten guy has been pretty phenomenal. They are going after him personally. They're angry with him. Uh, Hicks, where are you on this? I know you and Rex are close. I mean, yeah, I know. We, we've spent a lot of time together. Uh, I felt he was a little fucking rough on Miss McCarthy. I think the fucking female hippo thing <laughs> fucking bit mean. Well, uh, I, I, I'm going to give... By the way, you can get on in on this if you want. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Oddly, this is the type of thing that still does happen. Chris Christie can't open his fucking mouth without somebody calling him fat. Yeah. I mean, he's a governor, um, and no matter what he does, people bring up his weight. Yeah. Uh, the great Andy Reid down in Philadelphia, <laughs> they had to throw that into everything that he was doing. Walrus-esque with that mustache of his. So it's not unusual for it to happen. It's a little more unusual for it to happen to a woman. But let me put this out there. If you see her act, she does the weight thing as part of her act. Yeah. And then the roles that she's getting are focusing on the fucking heaviness of her. Right. Uh, that's part of the act. But, I mean, there's more to it than that. I mean, she's a overweight actress and... What overweight actresses get consistent work? And she's getting a, a fucking a lot Good of point. work. What always brings up 
to she's success. She's fucking. Everyone would say she's a fucking pretty big success. Can right you now. imagine, like, when you're booking a movie and you're like saying to someone, "All right, we're looking for someone who's like really fat, and you, you wouldn't date, and this girl shows up as the guy's blind date." So we think you'd be perfect for this part. He looks at her and he screams. Like you know, freak. they book people like that all the time. But here's the weird deal about it. I do think that in that the society is never going to be as upset, uh, accepting for talking about a woman that way. Like, you can say those things, but you can't get into the uh, straight-out bullingness of it. Now, uh, I know this also happened with a black actress, Precious, oh, yeah. almost immediately... People started doing fat jokes, and no one stuck up for Precious the way they're talking about Melissa McCarthy. But let's face it, Melissa McCarthy, A, is hysterical, and B, just seems to be really nice. So you are going to see a society sticking up for her more than we really didn't know Precious. Well, this is just par for the course is what it is. Everybody has made fat jokes about people. You mentioned all the prime examples. Andy Reid, Chris Christie. Now, no one says David Letterman should lose his job. But Rex Reid does this. A gay guy. And now we see the pecking order. Who's allowed to do what? So the fat woman is up above the gay man. In the pecking order. He's the only one that's not allowed to do this. So you're telling me if he was a straight man, no one would have complained that he called a woman a hippo. Exactly. No, I don't believe that to be true. Because no other straight man got involved in that. No, you would see, like, uh, Kenan Thompson playing uh, Star Jones when she was heavy on SNL. People don't complain. But it's a gay guy, so the attack comes out. Well, see, here it's a very good thing. This was not a parody of her, nor uh, anything like that. But to just actually flat out go, I couldn't watch this film because of her weight. I think becomes bullying... More than even teasing or joking, it's 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 bullying on uh, to Rex Reed, where you have people like Chad Lowe now demanding that he be fired from his newspaper. Where you have the guy from Modern Family saying, uh, you know, thinking the guy should be dead. The guy from Modern Family is the gay guy. He plays a gay guy, but he's straight in real life. All right, so he's, well, like you. So, you were saying that we we obviously brought this up as can the anti-fat bullying, but you're saying this is really the anti-gay bullying. That, that's what I this not, is at the bottom of all of it. I did not think that we were going to end up back there. I that's don't. exactly where it is. I wasn't even sure if Rex Reed was gay. To be honest, I didn't know. People make Rosie O'Donnell jokes, and nobody is called on to lose their job. Well, first of all, you act like Chad Lowe is in charge of this. Fucking Rex Reed is not... uh, Believe me, his paper, the New York Observer, is probably ecstatic that he's getting this kind of heat. I'm just saying that the chorus of the witch hunt for the gay guy is growing. 
Well, because he called a woman uh, a female hippo. Are you okay with that? <laughs> I mean, call it unfunny. Call the movie bad if you didn't like it or whatever. But that is just personal attacks against the actors. I mean, in the if film. you were really saying this, you, to, uh, if he would have said, look, I'm not comfortable with a woman who obviously has a weight problem making herself the butt of weight jokes. You could have done that the same exact way. But he's not saying that. He's saying she's a hippo. She's fat. Tractor I size. can't even watch this fucking movie because of it. <laughs> she disgusts me. That's the problem. It's harsh. It, Gay or no? It's not like Rex Reed has come out of the blue with this. He's always done his reviews like this. Well, that's a very good point. I, right now, what happens is we worry about little girls with their weight issues, right? They have body issues. Uh-huh. That seems to come from gay guys. You're not having a lot of straight guys designing clothes that are too small to be worn by normal-sized people. And you don't have a lot of straight guys reviewing models and talking about weight, it seems to come this weird obsession that gay dudes have with straight girls' weight, and for some reason, straight girls listen to these gay guys. Ladies, stop listening. What do these guys know? Now, you go out you. in the Midwest, they don't give a shit how fat their chicks get. They're okay with it. They're still fucking banging the hell out of them and loving it. Fucking going down on that shit. Um, here's um, here's Michelle. You're on the Run of Fez show. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey. Um, Fez, I'm sorry, darling, but you're way off base with this. The critic's job is to critique a movie, not to critique the woman's weight or the way she looks or her hair. You know, he's got a job to do as a critic. And, and that's how he's always done his job, Michelle. When, when the Sex and the City movie came out, or one of the Sarah Jessica Parkers, half his review was about the mole on her face. Well, you know what? I never thought much of Rex Reed. I never thought he was much of a critic, and it has nothing to do with the fact that he's gay. It's just that he's a mean, nasty person. And Don Rickles. Like a mean old queen. He is. He's a mean yeah. old See, that's, that's what they right. want to do. That's what they want to do. Don Rickles is an old guy who's still doing his insult act, and nobody says, you know what, Don well, Rickles the, needs to stop. The difference is you have to be funny. There was nothing funny about what he did. He said something mean. He's just mean. <laughs> that's the difference. And that's why I'm saying this isn't parody. It isn't a joke. I mean, you could actually say... That Letterman is going for the joke. Rex Reed just acts like a hippo, a tractor-sized woman, keeps you from enjoying a movie. I think it's a totally different situation. I see it as exactly the same thing. Everyone else is allowed to do fat jokes except Rex Reed now. He didn't. None of these are jokes. Tractor size isn't a joke. No. I mean, he may not be the funniest person in the world. Or, but... or not even... The, the point is, no, it's not a, a joke. He's acting like she's morbidly obese, and that should not be in a movie. That's not a joke. That's an insult. Um, here's John. You're on the Run and Fed show. Um, yes, it's Fez saying that gays uh, should be allowed to uh, bully and tease fat people. I'm what saying there's I... a double standard. I'm saying everyone else is allowed to. Obviously, gays aren't because they want Rex Reed fired from his job. 
There's no but, they that wants that him fired. Suicide. There's no uh, there's no they that want him fired. One person said, "I want him fired," and for some reason, uh, you're trying to put all the straight people as part of that. Um, Josh, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, uh, Ronnie, Fez, I have a question for you. Yes. If this guy Reed did a review on the Ron and Fez show and said, I don't like that show because that Fez is the ugliest son of a bitch I've ever seen, would you feel the same way about him? In other words, you're reviewing something that doesn't have to do with your review. Uh, I don't. I don't think that a movie critic should be without criticism. I think that that... I think the people could say you crossed the line is fine. I don't think he's going to be fired, Fez. Um, but I think it's okay that people are like, come on, dude. That's a little fucking cruel. At the same time, it's very hard for uh, Melissa McCarthy to act like she shouldn't be judged on her weight if she's going to use her weight. Like if she was just playing a part in a film that weren't doing a lot of fat jokes... Um, then she could say, where did that come from? But also, he can be better writer than just act like... Mm. Um, David, you're on the Ron Fez show. Yeah, Ron. You know, if if the lady was, was a lesbian, then Fez would be up in arms about it. No, because that's also okay, too, because there's plenty of Rosie O'Donnell jokes out there. Well, Fez's thing is this. He's never been on the sides of lesbians. He's only been on the sides of old gay men. Um, here's Nick. You're on the Run Fez show. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I'll admit I think this guy could have been a little bit more tactful, but I don't think what he said was that bad. It's not like he called her the white precious. See, that's the, oh, oh that's God. A joke. If Melissa McCarthy goes and jumps off a fucking bridge, Rex Reed will be 100% responsible. George W. She'll go right off that. Um, Biggs in Chicago, you're on the run of Fez show. I know Fez was saying that it's almost like a double standard because it's a gay guy writing the article, but I remember a couple of years ago, there was a piece of Marie Claire about the show Mike and Nally that kind of hit it on the same vein. And she was straight. It is kind of an interesting thing that Fez came up with. Why are gays so obsessed with women? What women wear and how much women weigh? And what women should be doing? Maybe, alright, maybe because a lot of gay men want to be women or something i i don't i don't know that would be insane i i you need to be thinner honey yeah because they'd want to be thinner like glamorous ladies and fucking i don't know louis vuitton dresses they make dresses i'm not sure i don't know what they make i know they make bags because yeah. that girl left the louis vuitton bag behind <laughs> i don't understand it but there's a definite hierarchy on who we're going to stick up for as a country. You're making something out of nothing now. That part doesn't make sense. It just brings you back to the point where you feel like it's not a safe place for gays. And I think you've done everything you could be to be safe because you're not having any sex. 
to me, you're completely safe. No STDs. I would be shocked if there was one. An STD? Yeah. Does anyone I wouldn't have? Know. What's that? That anyone has? No, if I ended up having one. Well, yeah, unless you, can, you really can catch it from a toilet seat. <sighs> like licking one or jizzing on it. <laughs> oh. You didn't see this movie? I haven't seen it, no. Identity Thief. I'm going to wait until it gets the cable. I'm going to wait until it gets the stars or WGN. Right. I like to see most movies on WGN. I like to watch dinner in a movie where, or that <laughs> DVD show where they just show DVDs. The, the behind the scenes, they just yeah. bring extra special features. Um, that car wasn't really a car. They were in... Okay. Bullshit! Um, here's uh, Brian. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. I think Fez, uh, he just takes this defending gaze at, at, you know, to another level where Fez, I think even if a gay guy or a gay gang or something raped you, you'd find a way to defend them. You just... You just you have to start being objective. You're not objective about anything with gays. You, you sound ridiculous the on the radio. Rape? I'm guessing that a straight rapist would probably be held more in esteem than a gay movie reviewer in this country. That's what, what I'm what? saying from this Rex Reed what? thing. What are you talking about? So far you down the pecking order. What, what straight rapist? Well, I don't know one specifically. Sandusky? Oh, no. Catholic priest? Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm starting to think about a Coke. I've gotten addicted. Once I start having a Coke, i got to break it. Well, Lent's coming up. That it's going to be my Lent. No Cokes? No Cokes to Brooklyn. How about some salt? I want them both now. All right. And the ice. Like, you know how I like to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it nice and icy. <laughs> I'm probably going to have seven Cokes today. Matty Ice is on it. You ever notice, like, no one even paid a lot of attention to Mardi Gras? It's Fat Tuesday tomorrow. I, and this it. is the first Lent that I can think of in a long time that Valentine's Day falls in the middle of. Oh, shit. Normally, oh, yeah, if you're giving someone candy. Well, you can't give out chocolates to women because they you know, don't do that. Or you can't give out chocolate-covered strawberries or fur animal pajamas or long-stem roses. All those things are great. Because what are you going to do when all your live reads go away after? You're going to feel fucking terrible. Empty. Mm, hey now. Hey now. It's Fez Watley. Look what it is. The Brooklyn blowhard. Hey, my man. Hello, Ronnie B. Let's get a few facts about Rex Reed on the table before we make this a big issue. Okay. Number one, Rex Reed has been on... He's been syndicated back in the 70s, 60s. He was a famous critic. He was on television. I remember him as a kid. Now he's... Past his prime, he's writing for a very small, localized newspaper. He, nobody's cared about Rex Reed since 1975. His style has always been personally attack the actors. Exactly. You saw some of the quotes that he wrote about Liz Taylor, um, just about anybody 
in film history. Rex Reed, it was all shtick. It's all a gimmick. So the fact that they're making this a big issue, my whole point is it would not surprise me if this is just the New York Observer trying to get some heat. Because Rex Reed has not been relevant. When's the last time you saw Rex Reed on television? Rex Reed has I, to I saw him sitting next to Chris Stanley. That's how bad he's doing. And by, oh, the, by the way, not as thin as he used to be either. Whoa. But Rex Reed has always been a cruel, and that's part of the appeal. He used to be on Channel 7 uh, locally here in New York, the ABC affiliate, and he would do movie reviews, and the co-anchors would cringe. You know where he lived, by the way? Because he was just no. always a horse. Dakota? Dad. He was or, always critical yeah. of women especially, but it's always been his gimmick. And I thought Rex Reed was retired by now or dead. How old is Rex Reed? Jesus Christ. I mean, the fact that they're making a big deal over this. But here's the thing: I think low, what kind of what kind of star power does he have? Does well, he have I, I think I think that we're kind of agreeing that in the last decade or so, society has changed so much, and you don't get to do the personal attacks based on look right, what that little Twinkie was back in the day. He's a relic who used wow. to go on and just attack anybody. He would call performers drunk. He would call them fat. He would call them hideous. He would make fun of their clothes. He would make fun of their accents. I think he was the just guy a bitchy who old attacked, queen. He attacked Cher for her Brooklyn accent being so fake. I mean, this guy's whole gimmick. And like I said, I've been watching this guy since the early seventies, and now I'm shocked that his name even comes up because I thought he was well, dead. And now overnight, he—it's a witch hunt. But it's a hunt. witch hunt over, over something that. You said Chad Lowe is calling for him. I mean, who the fuck is Chad Lowe? What, what kind That's of a good point, though. Chad Lowe's also going back to the eighties. Yeah, it's, it's it's nutty, and the whole thing is if you can find that out. This is the only person Reed. I know who does nostalgia current events. How old is Rex Reed? According to 75, but that's gay lying. Oh, he's got to be old. He, he can't the, possibly be 75. He was on the, was on the Dick Cavett show. reviews of his and read them. It's the same boring shtick he's been doing. And like I said, he was syndicated around the country. Well, he well, shut you down, Fez. No, he hasn't. He's proved my point. This has always been Rex Reed's act. Now, in an anti-gay, here's, here's who can say fat jokes and here's who can't. I think it's just, he's just a relic. From the old days, it's like your grandfather who still says colored people or, you know, like people who live in the past, like maybe me, uh, you know, he's just a relic and that type of criticism you don't have anymore because he attacks everybody personally and it's not a, it's just the way Rex Reed has been his whole career. I think, that, I think that society has changed. Where people are not comfortable on a fat joke exactly. woman. Exactly. Fat jokes are so prevalent. You, Rex, Rex Ryan, before he lost his weight, they still gets it. was he's, a huge target. Yes, he still gets but it. But he's not a woman. He's a football coach. It's a, there's a you difference. live in a society where, you know, a lot of people have either a fat chick, a fat mom, something. They're not comfortable with it. And anymore. traditionally, Fez... To be honest, when you look at people who review all the award shows, who criticize people's outfits, it's always been gay guys who are obsessed with, with what people wear, how they look. Um, you look going back to Mr. Blackwell, when he used to write really bad reviews. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is coming from Mr. Snackwell. See, a fat joke. There you go. Wow, Fezzy. You can't have, a, you can't have a, a, an adult discussion. You have to call names. By the way, what is the Snackwell? That's ridiculous. It's a cookie. 
It's a shtick that these guys do. Every award season, you got Joan Rivers, and there's always like some gay, some some fashion fashionista, whatever you want to call them, and that's just the, that's just the way the lifestyle is. Yeah, it's They're Joan Rivers and her fashion. daughter leading the pack. They're not gay, but they get a pass too. But it's just part of the gay culture to be critical of women, fashion. Look at all these guys on all these shows that. On the red carpet, they're, they're, they're former. A lot of them are designers. A lot of them are just guys who. And who the are the? Part. And if you actually watch those shows, blow hard. Those guys are critiquing the dresses, and I would say ninety nine percent of the time being complimentary. It's and when Mr. you Blackwell get to the Joan Rivers and Melissa Rivers is and the Kathy Griffins but, is when the attacks come. But, but, so but this at, is completely unfounded. Look at Mr. Blackwell over the years. It hasn't even you, ripped him off. Your best list you used to do a, a bit about this. Yeah, and you were like the nastiest caddy guy about the people how they dressed up. He's in right. Studio. He's and right. He got you again, Fez. Oh yeah, and so I can't it's do funny. it now it's because I'm a gay man. No, I think the fashionistas can do anything that they want to do. I think that fashionistas. Whatever you call it's them. It's about guys. the gay ones. I don't know who they are, but I see them all the time on the red carpet shows. I see them. Like, today there'll be somebody. And they're the complimenting. Show. They're talking about how Angelina Jolie sparkled. She sparkled. Then there'll be somebody who's like, oh, she's a bomb. Oh, she bombed terribly. She's horrible. I mean, it's just the way of the world. It's not a bad. It's not, it's not an attack on gays, but it's what they do. They I, love Broadway, show tunes. Not all, but most. Yes, and it is the way of the world until Rex Reed does it. But Rex Reed has been doing it, and Rex Reed... And now it's wrong. Why is well, that? Who says it's wrong? Some one or two people? ABC News, there's reports. Yahoo Reed, News, I there's reports laugh. everywhere about how uh, there's uh, being asked uh, for him to apologize. And you get mad at me and start making jokes about snack wells? I mean, wait, I'm trying to see your point, and I understand. But that went Rex too far. Reed, Rex Reed has been like this for 40 fucking years, and it, it, it's the whole gay culture of fashion... And, oh, look at her. She put uh, on weight. Uh, you don't hear that? You don't hear that with these guys? Uh, I hear it with a lot of people. I hear it with, uh, you know, uh, any insult comic I hear it from. You can't compare because Rex Reed isn't a comic. He's, he's writing commentary, and he knows that's his gimmick. That's his medium. Right. And the thing is, it has nothing to do with being... Medium is attacking double X large now. Yeah, bigoted and tall shop. I mean, Fez has made jokes to me all the time, and... And, you know, I, I just laugh because, you know, I think Fez is... Here's the mother. thing. If it really was anti-gay, wouldn't they have been calling for his firing years ago? Yeah, where's Glad? They're, where's they're the not calling for his firing for who he was. They said for the fucking cruelty to this big uh, lady who everybody likes. You have to admit, she's really very sweet. Talented, very talented. Yeah, very she's very physical, funny. Physical comic. But you look at Rex Reed, he's like your crazy old gay grandfather. Or, Hey! My grandfather's not gay. Right. But I'm I guarantee if Roger right. Ebert said the exact same things, they wouldn't be going after him. Roger Ebert can't, can't talk. You've got to stop you being a victim at the person. whole gay thing, Fez, because I don't know... He got his jaw taken away. ...feel so victimized about being gay. Snackwell, I Every said. day there's something different. I mean, every day it's like an attack on gays. How come you can't live happy? My gay friends, they don't give a shit. If I tell them a gay joke... He has a lot of gay me. friends. I'm standing what's up one, for someone who I think is being unfairly attacked when other one people are What's one of the gay jokes you tell them, Blowhard? No, no. I, I, don't, I don't make gay jokes, per se, but, like, you know, my, my, uh, my, I'll tell you what. One of my closest friends came out. He's, like, 48 years old. He finally came out. He got married last year, and he comes over to visit sometimes. I knew this guy since junior high school, 
And he comes in sometimes, and he's wearing his mountain boots, mm -hmm. and he has a new hairstyle. And I'll just say, hey, boy, you look pretty. And oh, you know, wow. That's not even a joke, but we kid wow, around. Wow, demasculinize the guy. Joke. You know, um, he's not going to say, you're a, you're a guess, hater. And guess what? Your jokes are just as accepted in this society yeah, as anyone's good, fat jokes. But what about you? Just you, as accepted. You told gay jokes over the years. True. I got six dicks you up did. my ass in his room for ten. Well, you know, to, yeah, you did. You said that, Fez. You did. You tell me that soundboard Fez is not uh, gay jokes. Come on, let's just just look at serious issues and you know, live life and enjoy life. Don't be the victim. Don't wake up. In the I'm morning. not the victim. Rex Reed is. You're the victim. Rex Reed's not a victim. He's, he's living. He's living large. He's got tons of money. He's got a career. He's an old grumpy old man. That's why care. There are so many serious issues in this life. Wake up and say, hey, I'm happy. I'm gay. I'm going to go out and meet some guys. I'm going to live a good life. That has nothing to do with this you story. Should. You should get out and meet people, though. This has I'm nothing sure. to do with Rex Reed or people calling his job. Get on Grindr. It's just an app. You can have it on your phone. He's not being picked on because he's gay. He's being picked on because in today's climate, you cannot go on and attack the women true, and people in general based on their physical appearance, their ethnicity, or their religion. It's bullying. They did something like that on Glee. And Jane Lynch is the principal but on if that it's, show. If it's so Julie unacceptable, huh? and it's so not <laughs> able to be done anymore, why does Trump still have his NBC job? Why hasn't NBC jumped in and gone after him for some of the things he said he about women, especially Rose, uh, Rosie? Rosa Parks. Trump makes money for the Black. organization. Trump gets ratings for them. And the more he acts like a horse's ass, the more people watch his ridiculous shows. That's true, Fez. He got you again. I've seen Donald Trump in Manhattan. I've seen people run up to him like he's one of the fucking Beatles. They gather around him. They want his autograph. They talk to him. It's true. He's a jackass, but NBC knows that he's a cash cow. So you're saying it's acceptable to be a jackass. That's my point. No, he's saying it's acceptable to be is. a success. No, he, say, he first said that uh, that kind of talk about a large woman is no longer acceptable it's in this country. That's true. I guess unless you're Donald Trump and uh, who's straight. People say bad things about Donald Trump every day. Every day. Every day. He gets the same shit. When, when he attacks Rosie, a lot of people attack Donald. They, why do you act like people can't bitch about Rex Reed without it being anti-gay? If you want equality, you got to take your lumps. You just can't be privileged and say, well, That's look, true, you criticize Rex, Rex Reed because he's gay. You criticize Rex Reed if he's an asshole. And Rex Reed is an, uh, I guess he's just out of time. He's 75 years old. He's been on, like I said, I watched him when I was a little kid. He's an old I queen. On the, on the local news, and he would just had the same shtick. It's old, it's tired. You know what I would say to Rex Reed? Rex, Rex City, son. And Ronnie. So why is it acceptable now? If he's been running this act for 40 years, why no is it acceptable now? There's a generation of people who've never even heard of him. I guarantee you, Melissa McCarthy fans don't know who he is. I'm going to let you go because I'm finding out. Uh, but Fez, let me just say one final thing. Don't be a in an interview. Embrace your gayness. Don't I have embraced my today. gayness. Embrace, uh, embrace no, no. it so we can move on. Go embrace that. a sandwich. <laughs> oh, oh, no. It's blowhard. Oh, no. Fez. No. Ouch. Look who it is. This is my friend Janice. Hi, Janice. <laughs> Hi. And Rex Reed's just a dick, Fezzy. Yeah, he is. So he's just, you know, dick. consider the source. And he's always been a dick. He's always said cruel things. 
But now, in this anti-gay climate that's arising, he can't I'm, say it anymore. I'm sorry. How do you think just, it's arising when there's more gay acceptance now than any time in the history of the world? There's more gay acceptance, but there's more anti-gay things out there. There is not. Dude, you don't even know gay history. You used to be drugged into the street and beat till you were dead. It's, it's almost an affront to the people who came before you. That you and, don't understand your history. And people seem to so readily say, this is my wife, this, you know. Right. And uh, The lovely like Jane wa- Lynch in here uh, today, married to another woman. She's yeah, a Chicago and, girl. And I know, and she talked about it. It's just, yeah. No know? big deal. She's yeah. just living a life. Yeah, it's just, uh, I like her. She, By the way, nice she interview. also has a gorgeous face. Oh, She's a really great. pretty person. She is, she's nice. Yeah. A good representation of Chicago. Sure. But uh, I was actually calling, would you like me to overnight you a Poonchki order? Oh, you don't have to do that, honey. No, we can take care of it here. But that's very sweet of you. (laughs) It's nice to know that the Polish people are out there making it happen. (laughs) Well, it's funny because when we were kids, or when we were younger, when my mom was still alive, she used to take every family, the Poonchkis, you know, for Fat Tuesday. Sure. she She was full Polish. And uh, I still go to the bakery that me and my grandma used to walk to when I was a little kid. And Good. Hold on to that in Chicago. <laughs> Don't let them gentrify. <laughs> All right, and, sweetie. Uh, it, and it was funny. To this morning, I'm listening to ONA, and they're raging on the Grammys and the, the women. And I'm thinking, God, if I would have listened to them as a kid, I'd still be a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what were they saying? Because I, I slept well, in today. Well, ripping apart how, you know, fat and... Uh, right. What they're wearing and that kind of shit. It's like, God, I'd never get naked in front of you. Oh, I yeah. thought it was only gay guys that did that. <laughs> oh, stop it, Fez. Stop. It's funny, I had a good friend who was gay and his cousin that he lived with. I didn't know at the time he was gay, and we all went out, and boy, did his cousin let me know that they were gay. Yeah, I bet they did. <laughs> oh, he was so threatened by me, because we uh, were real good friends. Sure, and, I bet. Uh, and I had no idea. He did wear more makeup than I did, but I just that was the times. He though. liked it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Janice. Talk to you later, sweetie. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. Uh. Uh, David, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey guys, how y'all doing today? Good man. Great. My wife runs a hair salon in Midtown Atlanta, and she's pretty much the only straight person there. It's all a bunch of homosexual stylist but when the newest marie claire or details or whatever magazines come out they're the first to go in there and rip on every cover model and they can say stuff that i can never get away with but it's again it's part of the gay culture i wonder why they're so obsessed with women's looks and women's weight though i do not know but i have to constantly remind my wife it doesn't have to take her two and a half hours to get ready to go into work every morning because she doesn't want to be the target of it, too. But it's just right. the way it is, you know? To anyway, men, that's all I got. The gay men hate women, and they like, like to attack. Yeah, but they're obsessed, and they're like, oh, my God. And they're always acting like some shitty old fucking singer is interesting. You know, so many great singers. They love train wrecks, bypass. too. But they, they like old train wrecks, but they... <clears throat> Hate on young women who they don't think is pretty enough or good looking enough or fashionable enough. But there's not one female pop singer, right, that they don't obsess upon. 
Like Britney, for some reason, they'll obsess upon. And they like her even more because she went nuts a little bit. Yeah, they love it. They're fucking... Everything, I mean... No offense, Fez. Blowhard mopped the fucking floor with you today. Oh, please. He kept contradicting himself with every other line he spewed out. Do we got a break? Well, it's a break. Yeah. And then we'll come back and Brian Ferry? Yeah, Brian Ferry's here. Uh, <laughs> don't bring any of this stuff up with Brian Ferry. All right. But when we were younger, Roxy Music was... That was something gay people loved. Because that was genius. It was brilliant. You don't see a gay crowd around great stuff anymore. You see them around shit. I don't know why. But gay and hip in the 70s was almost the same thing. Like hip people would go, wait, what are gay people into now? Now housewives go, what are gay people into now? Now I'll be into it. Roxy Music, one of the greatest bands of all time. Brian Ferry, Fucking genius upon genius. He's done all of his stuff. There's a very weird album uh, called uh, Jazz Age. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that it's not the strangest thing in the world, because it is. But he's taken these great Roxy Music and Brian Ferry solo songs and done them as 1920s jazz. It sounds like a Woody Allen That's pretty fucking movie. cool. It is really interesting. I can understand some people going, I don't want to listen to 1920s jazz. You're an adult now, dude. Just try to look at some of this stuff. Do you want to end up as somebody who doesn't try new things? Who sits around and complains that life isn't fair and you grow a big paintbrush mustache over your mouth? I'm going to keep my mind open. So, all right, it's going to be like Avalon if it came out in the 1920s. What? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, the first time I listened to it, I'm like, what the hell am I listening to? Then I kept listening to it, kept it all around my house, and I kind of started to dig. Let it kind of absorb a little bit, or at least know that it exists. You don't have to go rushing out and buying it like it was a new Brian Ferry. By the way, I think he is... Also working on new solo stuff. Um, go to brianferry.com or facebook.com slash brianferry. He'll be signing copies of the album in Union Square tomorrow in New York, Barnes & Noble, uh, February 12th at 7 p.m. Well, that's fucking brilliant. Do what I like to do. Just be in the same fucking room as Brian Ferry. What could be better than that? Shit. By the way, if you told me that this was going to happen when I was a kid, I probably wouldn't have slept since then to now. I've said this many times. I think Avalon might be the greatest album ever written. And then what was that last solo album that he did? That was... Look it up for me. Because it's really brilliant. Olympia. Yeah, man, it's brilliant. And he's, uh, you know, at his age. And by the way, always looks great. Always has great artwork. Look at the, the cover to this album. It's just gorgeous. Uh, it's called The Jazz Age. It's available on Amazon.com and iTunes. It's nice Sunday morning stuff. Something nice for you and your check. You're an adult now. Put, put this kind of music on. Uh, he'll be at the Union Square Barnes & Noble tomorrow, February 12th at 7 p.m. 
brianferry.com or facebook.com slash brianferry. And on Twitter, it's at brianferry. Uh, we'll take a break first or we go and break to him? We'll go break first. We're going to break first and come out back with the one and only Brian Ferry. You're enjoying the Ron and Fez show on Sirius XM's OB and Anthony channel. More in moments. Gazelle.com, that's where you can check in and find out a price on your old electronic handheld devices. You can trade your stuff in and get great cash for it from Gazelle.com. Just go to the website, find your device. Let's say you want to trade in an iPad. You click on iPad, what generation it is, what your provider is, the size of it, a 32 gigabyte. All right, there's an offer immediately that fast, $270 for that particular iPad from Gazelle.com. Most of the things you trade in, those people get over $100 for their trade-in. So it's cash you can put towards a new device. And it's also, you have 30 days to get your device uh, sent to Gazelle.com. So you have plenty of time to find something new. And you get your check within a week, all from gazelle.com. They'll even buy your broken iPhone. It's fast, safe, and easy, and you get money for your used electronics. Go to gazelle.com, see how much you can get, and do it now, because your used gadgets may lose value every day that you wait. It's gazelle.com. More Ron and Fez. Coming up. It's Valentine's Day. Get your lover some big-ass berries from berries.com. It's a gift you're not going to go wrong with. Giant, fresh, delicious strawberries dipped in delicious chocolate. I've had every single kind they possibly put out there. The white chocolate, dark chocolate, the drizzle. These are all fantastic. And you can get a deal now, right before Valentine's Day, which is very helpful. You can get a deal now. An order of freshly chocolate-dipped strawberries from berries.com, just $19.99. $19.99. Plus, for $10 more, you get to double the order of berries from berries.com. That's over a 40% savings. Go to the website, berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone icon in the upper right-hand corner where it says, hear about us on radio. Click that. They're going to ask for a code. Type in the word Fez, and you'll get this special deal. $19.99 for fresh chocolate-dipped strawberries, plus $10 more. You double the order. You can also call at 1-866-FRUIT-02, 1-866-FRUIT-02, or go to berries.com type in the code fez and get these berries for just 19.99 from berries.com do it now this order ends tomorrow nothing worse than going to shave and realizing oh i've got this old crappy disposable razor and no new razor blades available that doesn't happen when you join up for Dollar Shave Club at dollarshaveclub.com. You're always going to have razor blades. They're going to make sure that they're available to you and sent to you each month and for just a couple of dollars a month. You don't have to go out and spend 20 bucks every 30 days to make sure you have these overly fancy razors with stuff that you don't want anyway. Ten blades is too much. Get the stuff that's just going to do the job and save you some money. Dollar Shave Club. 
DollarShaveClub.com. No more wasting money. Go to DollarShaveClub.com. You sign up, and they deliver great quality razors right to your door, and you never run out again. That's DollarShaveClub.com. You can see their video there at DollarShaveClub.com. Watch the video. It's also on the IB Wire. I've been seeing the commercial everywhere. Oh, yeah. All weekend long. Yeah. And I still don't understand it. Yeah, for some reason, for just like, uh, they have a dollar a month plan. How can that happen? And you're getting razor blades every single month. But how can that actually happen? How does their business plan work? Because they're, they're getting just dependable razors without all the gimmick razors. Because you'll, you'll, you'll go out and you'll buy disposables with like a vibrating handle. No, I don't get those, but I pay for a lot more than a dollar a month. And I think it's everyone coming in together and these razor blades being shipped in volume each and every month. They're able to save you money. Yeah, but you would think even with the name brand razors, they've been shipped in volume our entire life. So what have they been doing? Marking it up by 800% all these years? Yeah. yeah. I've been trying to figure this out just from a business plan because I've never heard of like a business who was like, oh, if we only make like $2 a month, we, we can make a profit off that. Well, if you look at like some of the name brands, then you have uh, like you're paying for athletes to do commercials. No, I get that. And when you have a viral video, just like Dollar Shave Club does, you're saving a lot of money there too. But they're on TV too. I'm telling you, I saw them a lot on sporting events. I'm fascinated with this. I want to get to the bottom of how it works as a business because they're not even saying there's anything different about our razors. They're saying this is a razor. Right, they're saying here's the razor blades you need, the dependable ones. I, I, I don't understand it. And they even have plans with uh, multi blades that you can get. All right, I'm going to look into this how they make this work. DollarShaveClub.com. Go there today. DollarShaveClub.com.
That is the Brian Ferry Orchestra from the Jazz Age, uh, a reimagining of rhyme reason. Uh, Brian, you know, sometimes we talk about music being able to transport us, but that just takes us into a whole nother time and space, doesn't it? It is. It's um, uh, yeah, that was the idea to um, to do an instrumental album. Uh, using you know the the style of the twenties jazz um, from uh, both New Orleans and kind of New York, and uh, it's been a fascinating project. Well, the fascinating thing about it is what a song is able to do too. Uh, I don't mm. imagine you could do this with every song. You have to pick songs that I guess that could make this kind of move. Yeah, we um, we just really wanted to do a kind of. Take a comprehensive look, really, at, uh, at my um, catalogue, really, with Roxy Music and the solo records, and uh, and I guess we chose things that did, that did work. We're very lucky. I mean, um, I think it's all down to the players, really, uh, mm -hmm. being to, to embrace, able to embrace each song, and uh, um, we kind of worked on arrangements, but this the. The improvising part of it is very important, I think. So you gave them that kind of freedom to be jazz oh, yeah. musicians. Absolutely, yeah, which is what it is. Yeah. And, um, however, you know, in even in all the rock records I've made over the years, I, I like to give freedom to the musicians because mm -hmm. it always gives it extra life, you know. And you, you kind of write the tunes, but you always hope that somebody's going to transcend them and can take it into a different, right. different space. You know? Sometimes it's happy mistakes, and sometimes it's... Yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah. Um, the yeah. thing about this, too, is I, I, you know, when I first got the record, I put it on in my house, and living here in New York... Mm. Uh, it makes you not only think about these songs, but you think about the city, yeah. you think about what took place here, mm. and the fact that the 20s, that jazz age, was such an extraordinary time. I mean... It's an incredibly interesting period. Yeah. It's like the beginning of so many things. You know, it's like the birth of modern music. And, yeah. And then all the dancing that went with it, and the fashions were kind of pretty amazing for the t time. What they'd come out of was a kind of, I guess, Victorian, kind of quite straight-laced. Yeah. And suddenly it's all, hey, it's hedonistic, and partying, and, and then, of course, you have the dark undercurrent of um, prohibition and the crime. And yeah, it really is the, mo you know, you say this is the birth of modern music, but it's really also like the birth of a modern age where there was suddenly so. leisure time and that led to this explosion of art. There was painting, mm. there was dance, cinema was really getting underway. Yeah, and uh, and then incredible inventions like air travel and then yeah. broadcasting beginning right. at that time. 
modern poetry and, of course, the, the great literature of the time, uh, Scott Fitzgerald being the great chronicler of, of uh, New York, uh, yeah. of the, the kind of party lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, you know, I walk past the plaza every day and I think about F. Scott yeah, Fitzgerald. When yeah. you live in New York, you can't, you know, you see that fountain and there was always the story of his wife diving into the fountain. Oh, Zelda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just this mm. amazing thing that in, in a lot of ways here in New York, those things still kind of exist. They it's, resonate, don't they? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. There's mm. there's echoes and shadows that never mm. uh, go away. And uh, when you see kind of when you th when I think of the twenties, I always think of you know, a little bit of Paris in Berlin, but right. mainly New York. New York right. is like the place, and that's the place you see in all the the archive footage of the time. And yeah, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. Well, when you think about the the musicians that were playing here and the music that was being played. Uptown. It was also the uh, a time where race kind of was transcendent, thanks yeah. to musicians, yeah. because they wanted to play with each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. they got out of that uh, old style of class and yeah, education yeah. in music. Mm. It must have been amazing to be at the. Uh the Cotton Club in the in the twenties, you know, phenomenal with, with these amazing musicians and kind of low life guys with lots of money right. and and all the dancing girls and it, it's a very kind of heady kind of image. And at the same time, when you go up in Harlem, most of those buildings still stand there. The architecture is beautiful. Mm. There's some of the the most beautiful buildings in New York, yeah. and because. Uh, that for many years it fell on hard times. Now it's being restored in the same. Everything's still standing. That's great. You know? I never really get up there, but um, I used to have this wonderful album, you know, which was James Brown Live at the Apollo, right. which, which is the place I've never actually been to yet. I'd love to play there one day. Oh God, uh, we got to have you at the Apollo. You know, yeah. um, when Eric Burden came in one time, he was telling me when he got to New York. I love that. I love his singing. Oh, he's phenomenal. Mm. He went straight to Harlem, having uh -huh. no idea, just embraced mm. it immediately, you know. And that's the great thing, I think, about English musicians, yeah. is that they have such a love for American music. Very much so. Yeah. More so than Americans. Well, we were to. kind of very aware of it and, and how cool it was. You right. know? And so we kind of revered it, kind mm -hmm. of. And I, I remember seeing Eric Burden when I was when I was a kind of schoolboy and uh, going to the place called the New Orleans Jazz Club right. in, in Newcastle, my hometown, where he came from too, and seeing him play, singing with this jazz band, which was, uh, he was amazing, doing this kind of Jimmy Rushing kind of yeah. thing. It was really good. It's very yeah. uh, interesting to... Uh, that there's so many types of music that it all keeps flowing back and forth. Like, mm. I don't think most people that would have listened to Roxy music in the 70s, which seemed like it had a future slant to it to me, mm. you know, I'm like, we're, we're jumping ahead in time, would think that Brian Ferry mm. had this love for 1920s jazz. It all started in kind of 1955 when I was like 10. Uh -huh. And then I, I sort of, uh, I don't know, there were records on the radio, uh, uh, jazz records, there was a kind of tr traditional jazz revival in England at the time. English bands covering New Orleans music. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you listen to them, and then you'd go to the source of it all. You know, same with blues. There'd be, you know, English guys playing blues songs, and then you think, ah, oh, I, I want to hear Leadbelly and Big Bruinsy. Right. And similarly, went to, you know, to New Orleans and uh, Louis Armstrong, King Oliver, and then 
more sophisticated uptown in New York, the Cotton Club, Duke Ellington, and his amazing, more his amazing band, kind of more arranged, more sophisticated stuff. And that's the other amazing thing about. Uh, having a love affair with music is that you can keep following lines. Oh, yeah. No one ever just explodes by themselves. Yeah. It, it, and then you, know. you start a kind of journey, a musical journey. And yeah. So uh, I then started listening after that to, I guess, Coleman Hawkins and Billie Holiday and then uh, ultimately, I suppose, Charlie Parker and, and the bebop players, mm -hmm. you know, Miles Davis and um, uh, Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, and yeah, I used to memorize all the every note of these records until the mid '60s, and then suddenly there's all this different kind of music took over my life, well, uh, like the girl groups from New yeah. York and Phil Spector records and Motown and so on. You know, Ronnie Spector comes in here all the time. Really? Yeah, she's uh, fantastic. She's, she sang on one of my records once, and yeah. she still looks she's and great. feels like that era to me, which is interesting again because that time in London when you were just the right age. It was kind of like being in the twenties in Paris, or uh, yeah, it you know, was a very happening time. Yeah, very happening, and this just explosion yeah. of creativity. Yeah, it's incredible music at that period. Uh, I hitchhiked down from college about three hundred miles to London, to especially to see the Stax Roadshow, mm -hmm. which had Otis Redding and Sam and Dave, and you know the the band Steve Cropper and all these great players, and that was the. That changed my life, really, seeing that, that show. I, th I thought, this is what I want to do yeah. after that, in some shape or form. And uh, it was a huge, huge event for me seeing that. Well, I always thought that those shows were amazing, too, where you would keep the musicians on stage. Yeah, and the, different singers. Yeah, the singers would come in out because, you know, things change so quickly, mm. but the music is, has that same line that mm -hmm. runs through it. One of the great other things I, you'd sometimes see is several bands on the same bill. I mean, mm -hmm. I saw Jimi Hendrix, and I think The Move were on the same bill. Wow. And of two or three other bands. I, I just can't remember, but it was a incredible and they do about four or five songs each and then some other amazing thing would come on and so exciting those times just saying that you thought to yourself i have to be in this yeah, yeah. this scene yeah, i gotta yeah. be part of it uh and the fact that you were able to do that and mm. then of course in the 70s there was that other great you know kind of glam thing that was all happening with bowie and you and just so many other uh mata hoople and oh, yes. uh, t-rex is an amazing time again yeah yeah interesting phases of um, mm -hmm. um during the kind of the hippie period is when I was really more into Motown and, and, and yeah. Memphis music, Stax, and then, you know, a, a big Otis Redding fan. I named my first son after him, in fact. And um, after that, I guess Al Green was from down there, too. He yeah, was Memphis. With Willie Mitchell, yeah. wonderful records, great rhythm section. And again... Uh, uh, you know, the fact that that can transcend an ocean, transcend these mm. cultures. We're all digging it over there. Yeah, <laughs> all digging it. Yeah. And then you're doing your music because it, it is very English at the same time. There's mm. so much soul. Yeah, it was there. very nourished by American music. And, yeah. Uh, 
we were very lucky in Roxy in the early days that we had so many different musicians, different sounds in the band, you know, which made it sound a bit unique in terms of there weren't many bands with an oboe player, right. like Andy Mackay, and then Eno, of course, um, with our synthesizers, you know, we could uh, uh, create lots of different sounds which you weren't normally hearing. Uh, so then it's been interesting revisiting some of those songs, which were done in a kind of, kind of more futuristic way, with this twenties approach, which was um, interesting musicological kind of uh, adventure. <laughs> well, the other beauty of it is that the visual aspect that you always bring to your work, the album cover here for the Jazz uh, Age. Yeah. I want. I need a large uh, copy of this from my wall in my apartment because it would be perfect. Ah, yeah. This is stunning. This yeah. is just beautiful. They're, they're kind of illustrations by a French artist from the twenties called Paul Collin, who was mm -hmm. the boyfriend of Josephine Baker, who was the singer dancer from from the states who went over to Paris and she yes. became kind of queen of Paris nightlife. You know, mm -hmm. her, her famous uh, banana dress that she wore right. and so on, and. Uh, so it's good to use art from the period, I think. Um, did you, is this something that had been planned for a while, or is this an idea that popped into your head? Uh, well, I'd always wanted to do an instrumental album, mm -hmm. uh, which would kind of highlight my songs uh, in their own right, rather than me as the singer of, of right. the songs, you know? Take the, the, the spotlight off me and onto the songs. And uh, I just, I just one day thought, oh, well, let's do it this year, because um, it was the kind of 40th anniversary of the mm -hmm. of uh, the first Roxy album, and we did a box set of those records, uh, the Roxy records. And I thought, well, this is a good time to do this side project of um, instrumental uh, stuff. And I, I thought the 20s would be good, because I'd been listening, revisiting a lot of um, my old records, um, you know, 20s things, Louis Armstrong Hot Five mainly, mm -hmm. and uh, some of the early Ellington stuff as well, which is beautiful, very haunting music. And I thought, hey, let's do it like this. Well, as a fan of yours and somebody who's not musical, it's very interesting to hear these songs without the lyrics when mm. so many of us are drawn to lyrics first. So a song yeah. like uh, I Thought, which I oh, just yeah. love, to mm. hear that done in this fashion is yeah. an entirely different experience. That's that was the song that I originally um, did. I co-wrote it with Brian Eno, actually. Mm -hmm. And I sent him the uh, the record when we'd finished the 20th version. And uh, he loved it. He said, this shouldn't work, but it's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do some of the players from the the early songs feel about it? Some of the folks from Roxy, you know, have they heard this? Um, I haven't actually heard from from them other than from Brian, but yeah. uh, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure they they appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Andy would like it, Mackay, because he's such a good horn player himself. Mm -hmm. He would, he'd appreciate the uh, dexterity of the soloist thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's fantastic to keep this. Uh, to shine a spotlight, I guess, on this era. And you know who, uh, remind me, of course, Woody Allen in the soundtracks oh, yeah. to his albums. He's the biggest Louis Armstrong fan in the world. And I think for 40 or 50 <laughs> movies now, he'll go back and keep pulling Louis Armstrong stuff. Yeah. And it's, uh, phenomenal. The, it's interesting, the trumpet player who we just heard uh, mm -hmm. on, on my album. Uh, it's called en Enrico Tommaso. And he, when he was seven years old, mm -hmm. 
His dad took him to meet Louis Armstrong getting off the plane in England when he, he arrived in uh, in the north of England to do a few dates there. And mm -hmm. Sirico, seven years old, playing St. Louis Blues to Louis as he came off the plane. Wow. So he became his pal for the, and sat in his dressing room for the next three shows and uh, corresponded with him till he died. A lovely little story. That's terrific. Yeah. What do you think it is about uh, Louis Armstrong? Because for me, I've always thought of him as one of the first big American stars of, of yeah. you know the recorded he became, era. He became a great personality, yeah. which slightly overshadowed the the great music he made in the you know the beginning. Where uh, I don't think people realize what a huge kind of presence he was musically. Yeah, because he became this great, great international star, you know, and um, f wonderful character. You know? mm -hmm. uh, I never forget him in High Society you know, with Bing Crosby and yeah. Sinatra. Sinatra. It's, it's um it's a great movie to for those talents yeah it's one of the problems with having that bigger than life personality exactly. uh because yeah. he was so great on tv so great yeah, yeah. in interviews and yeah. funny and then people be like oh he's just a funny yeah, yeah, that, great all-around guy. guy but yeah but his playing uh in those early days is, is incredible I mean, even the later days, but there was an edge to it in, mm -hmm. in the twenties where you'd never really heard anybody playing quite like that. Well, uh, and also I wonder how much of that time, the nineteen twenties, had to go with people could now move from one city to the next. So you know, up until that time, you probably, if you were born in Louisiana, you stayed. You stayed there. in New York. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and now all of a sudden you're blending Chicago yeah, and Memphis right. and New York. Yeah. Um, and then those guys go into Paris, which even mm. now I think Europe treats jazz musicians so much better than they do in the States. Well, that's very true. Yeah, it's taken more seriously. Mm -hmm. And um, f there were quite a lot of people like Lester Gordon, I guess, who went and st lived there, lived there yes. because they had a better life and were appreciated you know, for their music. Um, Chad Baker used to spend a lot of time over in yeah. Denmark or somewhere in Europe. Yeah. Uh, so many of them were surprised when they got off the plane that mm. people had yeah. followed their music. Exactly, and knew every note of, mm -hmm. of, of the history, yeah. Well, you, when you were growing up uh, in England, did you think about the States? Is it a place that... Oh, it was a dream to go there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, with all the musicians that I revered, and then later when I went to uh, college to study art, painting, then it was like, oh, I want to go to New York because, you know, Jackson Pollock. And then mm -hmm. after that, you know, Warhol, and who I, I, I met many times uh, when I eventually did get to New York. And all the pop artists, uh, Jasper Johns and Rauschenberg and Rosenquist, uh, they were kind of great heroes for me. And so much of that was happening at the same time of the music mm. that you're talking about. Exactly. You know, the, the, yeah, the visual. 60s, a very important period. Uh, what was uh, Warhol? like it's still uh, uh, somewhat of a mystery to people well, a great artist he didn't uh -huh. say a great deal whenever I, uh, I listen, there's always a lot of uh, wow and gee and, uh -huh. but uh, incredible artist there was a big show of his in london a few years ago like a retrospective mm -hmm. and the body of work is incredible 
Yeah, I was in Pittsburgh where his, you know, yeah, the, the foundation. He, yeah. yeah, the foundation. And to just walk through there. And the amazing thing about him is he kept everything, unlike yeah. a lot of people. So yeah, even his receipts from a taxi cab. Yeah, <laughs> whatever it is. And there's yeah. one room that you can just listen to tapes of conversation. Oh, yeah. Some of them, you know, very mundane. But you're just hearing of him working or talking to people. Yeah. And it's stunning. It's yeah. stunning how much work. And another person that was thought of by the end of their life more for their personality than Absolutely really. right. That's, yeah. So sometimes the work gets overlooked yeah. because it's such a kind of overwhelming you know, presence, you mm -hmm. know, which he was in this city. Uh, I went to it on a great exhibition of uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat yeah, and at the Gagosian Gallery. And, yeah. uh, it was some beautiful pictures there. And I remember being with Basquiat and Warhol um, in New York, and uh, they did, of course, work together and did some, yeah. collaborated on some stuff. But uh, they're an interesting pair. Well, the Basquiat uh, is, a, is another thing that, at the time, people thought New York was on its way down, and it was mm -hmm. the worst possible time, yeah. not knowing that, again, there was this art explosion yeah, coming yeah. from downtown. And Basquiat is a guy that I just find endlessly fascinating. Yeah, and he was very into Charlie Parker also, as I right. was. Yeah, he's a big Charlie Parker fan. Um, well, the thing about Basquiat, and I think it's... Uh, so perfect to show to young people is that he would just bring in as many influences as he kept, could. Mm. But when he worked, it always seemed to be a place of almost subconscious, of just working yeah, and like throwing it back out there. on things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a documentary that has been done, and you can actually see him painting it. Uh -huh. And he would play jazz while it was yeah, happening. Yeah. And he's yeah. painting, and you're like... Is he really paying attention yeah. or not paying attention at all? It's uh -huh. beyond, really, uh -huh. comprehension. How This genius just exploding in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, I, I think I brought it up to you the last time that you were in, but uh, one of the legends of Brian Ferry, that there is this tribe in the Congo uh. that... <laughs> Worships you as a god. I feel bad. I haven't been out there yet. <laughs> uh, I haven't been, haven't seen to my duties. Um, and they, uh, they, they, they worship you and <laughs> think about you and paint and sing about you and dress like you. How did, do you even know how this came about? I have no, absolutely no idea. But, uh, the mind boggles, really. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Oh. I think it would. They also part of the legend is they say that you visit them. Yeah, in, uh, in my uh, invisible airplane. In so. an invisible airplane, but I was thinking maybe it's on another astral plane where yeah, you just yeah. show up when you're sleeping at night. So um, I hope that the Jazz Age album doesn't confuse them too much. <laughs> I, you know, I really am quite invisible, though. Um, are you going to keep working in this style, or is this? I, I'm going to take. I'm going to take uh, the players on tour. Wow. Uh, later this year, we're, gonna, we're doing some festivals in uh, jazz festivals in Europe and then in the autumn we're going to do a big tour of the UK uh, and I'll have the, all the guys from the record plus some of my you know rock band as well so I'll be singing uh, as well as listening to No, will you be singing so. in this style or will you um, be... for a couple of things in wow. the first half of the show and then we'll then we'll bring it more up to date as it were through the ages <laughs> uh it's the jazz age the brian ferry orchestra i appreciate you stopping back in so much always a pleasure and uh, i want to go out with uh i thought if you don't mind because i just find it stunning thank you so much again brian thank you i'll see you next time coming through Thanks.
Ah, the one and only Brian Ferry. My, I'm going to say it, my soul brother. Wow. Tomorrow night, you could actually go meet Brian Ferry if you're in New York. Union Square, Barnes & Noble. Tomorrow night, February 12th, 7 p.m. You could say the same thing I said to him, is that you're Brian Ferry. You get that, right? <laughs> uh, Rob Cross here. I always like the really cool people Rob will come down the hall for. Brian Ferry. Yeah, Brian Ferry is one yes. of those people. Anyone from Steely Dan? Rob is down the hall. Absolutely. Uh, you Did you watch the Grammys last night as an I, all-time uh, music guy? I did. I watched everything but the end. I didn't. I, I just, after three hours, I lost steam. Well, yeah. then you missed Chuck D performing with LL Cool J. I know, I heard. Yeah. yeah, that's um, too bad. It was actually pretty, it was pretty interesting and fun. What did you think of the show overall? Overall, I, I kind of dug it because there's a lot of the pop stuff I just don't really spend a lot of time, you know, looking into. So mm -hmm. I, that's like the one time all year where I see Taylor Swift and go, oh, that's Taylor Swift. You right. know what I mean? And that's that song that she does, which, you know, if you don't read like Us Weekly or whatever, or, you know, actively seek that stuff out. It's kind of cool just to see these people like, you know, go and perform and when they can really sing or really dance. It's, yeah, you it's can cool. tell pretty early on whether or not, like, even if you don't like their music, you're like, well, I can see why they're a hit. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, I did think, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, that the country shit. Yeah. So it just slows it down. I can't take it. You know, I try and try and try and I can't just get in that headspace. But what I love is like the country people always act like they love all music. Yeah. Like the country people were getting up during the reggae part. You're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I'm like, you really loved it. Why are you singing the country stuff? All right, so you didn't like, you do like Mumford and Sons, but you don't like anything. I don't even to like the right. Mumford and Sons. Honestly, really? Yeah, I, it's not. I've, I saw him play the Bowery, which is a little, you know, for people who haven't yeah. been there, a little like, like three, four hundred people, right? Yeah, Standing up. Ago, and I, like, yeah. I don't know why I just never got Mumford and Sons, but I just, like, I always thought it was just kind of like, I don't know, it felt like the Pogues with no soul. You know what I mean? I can't tell like, which one's Whoa. the dad. Um, <laughs> let's go over some of the things that were won and lost last night. Like, did you see Prince come out on stage? Yeah, it was that was awesome. That was he looks so cool, bigger than life. Did you see Bruno Mars though? I see that's another example of Bruno Mars. I heard his name and I kind of know yeah. the song, but I didn't know that guy was so tiny. He walked oh, right yeah, by yeah. here. Uh, what I mean, you call months ago? He was yeah. fucking little. Yeah, he he was. He, he's been in here. It looked like he had a little person's guitar too. <laughs> Well, because it, was, it wasn't like Sting yeah. walked up and Sting has this, you know, Sting looked enormous and Sting's not an enormous guy. Yeah, I'm not even sure if Sting is a six footer. But Bruno Mars, they say, is 3'11, <laughs> but Freakish. the girls love him. That song's kind of cool. That thing that sounds like the police. Sort mm -hmm. of a cool song for a pop song. Uh, what else you got, Hicks? What, what, what were the big winners last night? All right, well, um, Prince's gave it full, Prince gave away the record of the year, which was something I used to know. Now, are you guys familiar with that song? Yeah, the goat. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know how I know it. Oh. Taking a piss in this bathroom, and we play it <laughs> quite a bit on whatever one of the channels is, and I'll be like, "Used to know." That video is cool too. Yeah, it's really cool. And the girl in that who sings that song with him. Have you seen her? Hex? She's Kimbra. She's adorable. She has like a kind of like a Bjork thing going on with that crazy shit she was wearing last night. Yeah, she's she's really good looking too. Um. Now, they panicked seeing Prince. Like, they could have given their shit about the 
the Grammy. They just wanted to stand next to Prince. So did you decide you liked this Hicks the song? Um, I thought I, I had no idea it was gonna win. But yeah, sure. Give it. I thought it was the best. Song. It was the best song. Like the best out of all these. Out of everything else for record of the year. Um, you don't like Black Keys? I like this brother in the Black Keys. Uh, wow, mean. I'm surprised. Yeah. I thought that this was a throwback song for me. Like, this really did remind me of the 80s so much. Like, I'm like, even the first time I heard it, I'm like, do I know this song from like 25 years ago? Yeah, it is instantly catchy. And it's sticking your head. All I have to do is hear it one time. It's good stuff. I do think it might be an earwig for a lot of people, though. Because it's so weird. Alright, what else won Album of the Year? Album of the Year, uh, Babel by Mumford & Sons got the win against uh, El Camino by Black Keys, Some Nights by Fun, Child I was, Orange. I was surprised that the uh, the Frank Ocean didn't go over there. I, I felt yeah. that was a give, that was a given, that fucking Frank Ocean. Was, I was hoping for a fucking Jack White's album. But, but that, that stupid Forrest Gump song that he did last night? I had no idea. Underneath for me, didn't work. How weird was that? That's not yeah. even the song he's known for. Apollo 13's coming out on the next album, and then fucking <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. All right, so you're going with the Tom Hanks movie thing. And he's gonna he's going way back and doing Bosom Buddies for a fucking. All right, what was guy. song of the year? Uh, song of the year was We Are Young by Fun. Then they're gone now, right? This is their one rip be, at it. it. Yeah, and they even won Best New Artist, and that usually kills you too, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, they also made it a point, well, we've been out for 12 years. Thanks for the best new artist. I thought it was um, interesting that, that Carly Rae Jepsen was nominated a couple things. Didn't get it. And I kind of feel like that song, whatever, whatever, that, you know, that... that um, call Me Maybe. Yeah, Call Me Maybe, was so ubiquitous, you know? And it I was think everywhere. I almost feel like the recording industry holds that against the internet, because that was an internet song, you know? It was. Like, yeah. That was... That was the song of the summer and the spring, and there's no doubt and, about it. And I'm not sure I've ever seen the original video. I've only seen people playing the songs and dancing themselves, but not <laughs> even in an ironic, like, we're making fun of the songs. But just their pop love for that song was so gigantic. Then remember, it would be like, I don't know, the Harvard baseball team or something. Was yeah. Everywhere you look, Cornell or something. Yeah, I feel like measured against other pop songs. That was a pretty fucking good pop song. 400 million hits on fucking YouTube. Yeah. Um, Sigh, no nominations. Weird. Yeah, that's strange. All right, what else we got, Hicks? Uh, best pop solo performance. Adele picks it up again. No problem there. That was like 2010, wasn't it? I feel like she's Still. winning. <laughs> keep it coming. Yeah, she probably keep it coming, Megan. It was for a live cut. Keep it coming. <laughs> Uh, best pop duo again. Goatee one. They won for single. Goatee. Goatee. Whatever. Gotye. What would you call it? Goatee. Goatee. <laughs> best pop vocal. Kelly Clarkson takes that home. You know the Kelly Clarkson is a shocker that she stayed around now for what eleven years. Yeah, that's a nice long run for a big girl. And she kind of had the best personality of anybody accepting an award too. You know, she's a, she's. She seemed to genuinely be enjoying herself. She was. Cool. I kind of do being like judged. Yeah, I do like Adele's personality though. I think yeah, she's, she's, she's cool too. Um, and what the, uh, Katy Perry I thought was very funny when she went up last night. Yeah, and uh, really nice breasts. Never comes up a lot, but it should be said. Uh, hell of a dress she had on. Uh, best rock performance, Black Keys. Best rock song, Black Keys. They are rock right now, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, they Best are. Best rock album. They're officially holding the rock mantle. Seems to be them and pretty much nobody else, right? But I, I love mean, what they. They're Jack like, White. Yeah, Jack White. Yeah, them and Jack White, and I love their performance and using Doctor John, who was, was cool. dressed as if he had killed a buffalo <laughs> years ago. Like I dug that, and I dug using New Orleans yeah. guys. I mean, it was just a, it was a cool thing to do. 
as a rock performer, and I thought Jack White was great. I, I, I got to shamelessly plug right here because the guy from Black Keys, Patrick Carney, the drummer, the tall guy yeah. with glasses, he had he does a show on XMU. Um, he, we put a new one on every month, and we're gonna play all three of them back to back today at six o'clock. And this dude, he's the greatest taste in music. He he play like indie rock, and then all like kind of obscure underground soul, and it's songs that you've heard the samples from in hip hop songs, you know. Right. But, He's great. He just has a great, you know, just point of view on music in general. So it's on uh, Channel 35 tonight at 6 o'clock. How often does he do new shows? He does a, a new show every month. Like, he'll record on the road wherever he's at, and then, you know, we'll play him first Thursday of every month. But I'll play him all back to back. I like the idea of that, too. Like, okay, you don't have to do a weekly show. Like, each one of them is like a special. Yeah, the dude's busy. I mean, yeah. He, yeah, he's one of two functioning big rock bands right now. You know, he's got things to do. So, well, when I, they came in here. They were just a two-piece when they played here. Yeah. And it was pretty phenomenal. If you would have told me with two pieces, you're going to get that sound, I would like, I don't think so. Yeah. And it was, they were great to watch. Frank Ocean picked up Best Urban Contemporary Album, beating out Chris Brown. So. Chris was sitting there with Rihanna last night, and that seemed to have gotten a lot of heat. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh my God, I can't believe they showed up together. I can't believe they're going on with their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Best rap performance ends in Paris, baby. Jay-Z and Kanye. You can't beat that song. That song's just fucking phenomenal. That was that was 2010 as well, wasn't it? That shit crazy, That's though. That shit sure. is crazy. I know I kept saying that shit crazy last summer, and people <laughs> were acting like I was way too late with it. <laughs> I spent a lot of time last summer saying it, and everyone was like, still? It's still, it's still crazy. Mm, okay. Frank Ocean picked up another one for best rap song uh, collaboration for No Church in the Wild. I never heard it. I a little extra on the Jay Z too. Uh, you ever heard that? That's on that same album with uh, uh, every other song that he and Jay Z did. Oh, uh, the Throne or whatever. Yeah, watch the yeah, Throne. Yeah. The throne. Uh, what else we got? Drake got best rap album. Carrie Underwood best uh, country solo performance. No, she away. did a great performance because she was wearing a huge gown, and then they did the light show just on her dress, so it looked like her dress was morphing into some kind of thing. I walked the dog during that. Oh, you made a yeah, giant yeah, mistake. See. You there were roses that. on it. There was yeah, it was oh, a morph gosh. dress. At one point, it looked like her intestines <laughs> were bleeding. I saw <laughs> she was wearing a flat screen. You missed it. I saw Carrie Underwood walk up. I was like, come here. We're going, we're going out. You don't walk. like to carry Underwood. Huh? I, just, I thought I don't, don't like her. I just don't care. You know, she's a six-time Grammy winner. They let us know that last night. Isn't she an American Idol? Yeah, she's an American yeah. Idol, and the biggest selling of all the American Idols. Yeah, the odds are good that dog walking during that time is not going to come back to bite me in the ass. But she apparently. is a she is beloved country artist, maybe carrying the torch for country right now. Huh, really? Maybe that big? Yeah. Uh, sorry, the guys who won Best Country on Zach Brown Band, they seem to be pretty popular. But... Aren't they around for a while, though? It seems like that name has been around. The last time I watched the Grammys, they won for Best New Artist. <laughs> but okay. if I watch it again, I'd see them win Best Country on. I don't know. They're like he, New Country. He was the guy who did the Live on Helm thing, right? Yeah. He, yeah, he was good. He could sing. Yeah, they're um, all good. A lot of his country songs just deal with God and fried chicken. It doesn't <laughs> well, really starving. seem like country. You love dry bike truckers, so <laughs> they threw fried chicken at a show I was at. I was very happy to get some. Mm. You know, I felt bad they don't put the comedy album up anymore. They used to make a, a point of that, and that went out to Jimmy Fallon. But out of the six people that were nominated, we've had four on Unmasked. That's nice. So I said myself... 
I will not vote. But I did see Lapspin had picked Jim Gaffigan over Jimmy Fallon. But the Margaret Show was in there. The Lewis Black. And then Tenacious D, who we'd always want to do. And Kathy Griffin, who we've always wanted to get on the show. Strong. This Sunday, we will be... Or this Friday, uh, Craig Robinson. Which I guess the office is all but shut down. Yeah, they must have shut They the must have episodes. shot the last one, right? Yeah. I hope that Brian gets gets Pam. It's not going to happen, dude. I don't know. I saw that that latest episode. He they look like they have a connection. Um here's Al in Nashville. You're on the Run and Fed show. Hi. Um I was just wanting to say something about the Grammys last night. I like it when bands like the Black Keys um and Jack White and so on when they do stuff that's a little outside the box. Um, you know, and tailor it for TV. Um, I think that's refreshing than just seeing somebody come out with a lot of light show that you can just get at a normal concert, you know? Well, I, I do think, you know, and Rob kind of touched on this, it is good to for everybody to sit through everybody's music just one night. Like, yeah, I know when the Spanish guy comes out and sings, it's weird. But, you know, <laughs> hey, you do this Elton is John's song with Elton John there. Yeah. Right after oh, Elsie. Yeah. yeah, that is. It's a little bit funny. I don't know, dude. I wouldn't have made <laughs> that choice, but yeah, good for him. I'm cringing a little bit. Um, But it's good for people, I think. Wow, we at the end of the show already? Yeah, man. We had to talk Timberlake. I thought he killed it. His band ruled. You love the Timberlake. I loved it. I loved the horn oh, section. Man, I thought it was dude. smooth, man. I liked it. I brought. The, I started the show, confident or cocky. They said cocky. I said he's the most confident guy yeah, I in show business. I've come around on that guy. I think he's a badass. Six years, he could take off and come back a hit. That means you're a lifer. That means, and he changed it up when he came back too. He didn't do the yeah. same shit he was doing. That's that's how you know somebody's great. That's something different. Uh, cool. I'm not a huge fan of his acting, so I think he's been wasting his time. But he's doing something with the Coen Brothers, that weird folk movie. So that. I will see his next film. But I've always been surprised he doesn't charge, uh, you know. And weirdly enough, he's one of the few, and you could make up a short list, of white soul singers that black people like. And they fucking love <laughs> As a tiny list. Yeah. It's me, Justin Timberlake, and maybe two other motherfuckers that you guys don't know. I like when he called fucking Jay-Z out of the fucking audience. Hey, Kay, what you doing down there, Jay? That's what I'm saying. He is definitely very confident. Um, and I like the black and white thing. That was cool. I like the black and white thing and setting it up like it was a big band like my good friend Brian Ferry likes to do. I'm supposed to go out to dinner with him tonight. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. I think I'm taking him to Five Guys. It's <laughs> a good choice. <laughs> yeah. He loves peanuts. Hey, eat as much peanuts as you want. It's all part of it. Um, right, we gotta go. I wish I would stay around and keep doing this. But, computer turns us off. See you guys back in here tomorrow. Lots more. And you notice Fez is back in a big, big way. I'm hearing him. Fez is like a rampaging bull. Yeah, he's just on top of his game. He can't wait to get married. It's coming up. 
find out when we do the marriage if we can do rim jobs on stage. Oh, I would we love. can absolutely do rim yeah, jobs. Yeah, if we do stage. ass eating on stage. Greatest wedding ever. Another You're the dry coolest eye in the house. boss around. Yeah, he is. He's really cool. <laughs> really though. great. Um, later, he's going to let us stay up late, eat chocolate, and watch TV. Yes. Yeah. All right, that's it. Back in here tomorrow. And that's the end of my show. Donk. Oh, love.